Hello and welcome to the MinMax Show, a place about games, friends, and getting better. I'm Ben Hansen, joined by Jeff Marchiafava. Hey! Wavy Tube Man himself, Kyle Hilliard. That's what I'm slowly turning into. And special guest, Odell Harmon. Welcome, sir. Everybody, how are y'all doing today? Really well. Odell, uh, you are a former Game Informer intern that uh, has technically kind of been on the show before. Um, I think Marcus Stewart, also former intern, gave you a shout-out at one point and talked about how amazing you were. And I don't know... Yeah, he did. Oh, did somebody tag you? Did you know that this happened? Oh, no. Marcus told me, he was like, hey, I gave you a shout-out on the show. And I was like, oh, crap. Well, I got to make sure I watch it. <laughs> That's <laughs> nice. Uh, where are you at these days, Odell? Uh, so you can find me. I write news at GameSpot. Uh, I write for the GameFanatics website, and I freelance here and there. And uh, I was recently on some other shows on IGN and kind of funny. So anywhere games are found, <laughs> possibly. <laughs> you can't dodge possibly. Odell even if you wanted to. Uh, Odell, what was God? You were intern. You were an intern at Game Informer with Mike Mahardy. Yes, sir. 2012. Wow. Hmm. And then who was the third person in that batch? Uh, Jordan. I, right. I, I believe he left games after that. I have no idea what he did. Okay, <laughs> awesome. He just uh, disappeared. God, that was so long ago. Oh yeah, man. I kind of yeah. Two thousand is twenty two. <laughs> it's been eight Yikes. years, uh, but it feels like just yesterday. Um, let's see. I know you love Pokemon. I think more than life itself. That's the big takeaway from Adele's life. Okay. A little bit. Yeah, great. Well, we can talk about Pokemon in this episode of the MinMax Show. We can also talk about some Game Informer news, which will be interesting. Uh, and Ooh. then there's some odds and ends that we'll get to. And then we're also going to talk about the Game of the Year debates so far. We're about halfway through the year, so it's a good time to sit back and look at what have we just done? What, what has happened this year in the game space? Uh, let's try and unpack this a little bit, figure out what the lay of the land is for the potential Game of the Year debates, well, the for sure Game of the Year debates happening later this year for MinMax overall. Um, it's been a wild week. Um, it'll continue to be wild on a number of different fronts, but a uh, crazy thing is on Tuesday some news broke, and a lot of people wrote in, uh, submitted a comment at Patreon.com, MinMax 2 ends asking us to talk about it. Xavier Perez uh, has one here. He says, Hey, crew, with Andy McNamara leaving Game Informer, it feels like the end of an era. With that being said, what is your favorite Andy McNamara slash Game Informer story? Oh boy, that's that's a big topic. But yeah. yes, uh, so crazy news um, that Andy McNamara is leaving Game Informer. Um, he was editor in chief there for, gosh, I guess not all twenty nine years, but he's been at the magazine for twenty nine years and was editor in chief really early on in the run in the nineties. Just an absurd run uh jeff and what was your gut reaction when you saw that uh it, it was very bittersweet i think mm. um you know it's it's sad and i i'm said it on twitter that i i have been a reader of the magazine for a long time before i worked there and so you know andy is in a lot of ways is game informer for a lot of us i think yeah not, not just those of us who work there um, so it's it is very sad. It feels like we've been saying it's the end of an era for about a year now, you know, in kind of in stages. Um, yeah. And this is definitely another one of those big moments. But the the sweet part of the bittersweet is that, you know, he's moving out to L.A. and he's getting some other kind of new job that he sounds really excited about. 
and is really passionate about. And so I'm looking forward to seeing what that is. Yeah. And he's, I think he's going to be an actor, right? Like that's what he's going after. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's going to Hollywood. His performance is unbelievable, but it takes that big McNamara ego to really make it in Hollywood. But that's what I've been <laughs> reflecting about. You know, it, it feels a little bit like a funeral, which isn't fair. Cause he'll still be around. He's still doing something yeah. with video games. He's tweeted out and stuff. Um, but like the most amazing thing to me about Andy McNamara is that he can have that pretty powerful position in games media for that long and not have an ego about it. He is uh, uh, embarrassingly humble. I don't know the best way to phrase that. Um, I think he thinks that he's kind of a, a piece of S at times. And it's like, it's a weird thing. I think it's come across on the Game Informer show throughout the last couple of months of people trying to like build him up a little bit because he does a lot of that. Like, I don't know who wants to listen to this stupid show when I'm hosting it. Blah, 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 blah. It's like, what are you talking about? Like nobody in the industry, well, very few people in the industry have this perspective on games that you have. And he'll just be like, ah, I'm not special as a game developer. Focus on them. It's like, yes, uh, we agree. Game developers are talented as well, but like at least sit back and be in awe of your own run. Because I think it just, it's so easy for that type of absurd run to feel natural on this bit of like a an island in Minnesota. But it is absurd for somebody to be in the game industry for 29 years especially that long at one magazine that's going strong did you yeah that's crazy i'm 29 so i remember when i read that i was like he's been at it as long as i've been alive (laughs) (laughs) just absurd uh hanson i'm sure you saw frank cefaldi's tweet about andy right yeah i have it here do you have it as well You should share that. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So Good. Frank Zafaldi, um, co-director of the Video Game History Foundation. He co-directs it along with Kelsey Lewin, who was on our Animal Crossing Deepest Dive. Uh, but Frank Zafaldi just had, did a good job of putting it in perspective. He tweeted out, I need you to understand the scope of Andy McNamara's career. No one else has worked for the same U.S. video game outlet for 29 years. No other U.S. outlet has ever existed for 29 years. For video game journalism, this is the end of, an, of a reign that I don't think will ever be beat. And let me put this in perspective. Andy's stint as a game reviewer ranged from Micro Machines for the NES to Cyberpunk 2077, which, by the way, is not correct. Last of Us Part 2, he should have put there. But 29 years is a long time and a lot of fundamental industry shifts, and somehow the dude's as enthusiastic about the future of games as ever. That's uh, very true and very uh, wise words from Frank, just as the historian can put things in perspective that, yeah, Andy belongs in a museum. It's just mind-boggling. Uh, but the, that note about his enthusiasm also stuck out to me. And the the picture that Andy used on his kind of goodbye post yeah. is a picture of him basically when he was a teenager standing on his desk in like a very cramped office that they started work in. And the picture really stood out to me because, I mean, Andy looks very young in it, but it is still just like the classic Andy that we have known for all these years. He he still has that childlike enthusiasm for video games, despite having done this for so long. Yeah. And to be fair, you know, uh, Reiner, who's going to be stepping up now to editor in chief, also has that unbelievable enthusiasm for games, maybe even more so than Andy, which is so nice and so refreshing not to just hear jaded voices at the top. You know, you can get jaded about certain aspects of the business, but when it comes to like loving games, the fact that that's as strong as ever is kind of a relief for somebody, you know, who I guess I've been in the industry for around 10 years, but it feels like a short reign compared to them. But it's just nice to know that people that are still in the industry for so long still love games just as much. And I don't have to worry about myself burning out in a big way. Um, yeah. Odell, do you have, I know it was a while ago. Do you have memories of Andy? Anything you, anything you can share? Oh, completely. Like you said, um, so when I was there, obviously 
I've seen Andy on like game trailers. Game trailers like one of my favorite sites, and he was always like a guest host on the show talking about you know game knowledge about something. Well, you know Jeff Keeley and like all these important people, and I'm like, man. And, and you know when I finally met him, I, I I was always nervous to talk to him because you know he's the big boss man. He's the one everyone knows. He has all this experience. And then I remember one day he was just like, "Hey, what's up?" And I was like, "Oh, hello, sir." And he was like, "I'm not your father. Don't call me sir." I'm like, "I'm sorry, sir." And he's like, "You say it again, I'm kicking you out of here." And I'm like, "Okay." And then and that's how you lost your internship. <laughs> And I remember one day he was like, "Wait, you're from Houston, right?" And I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "You grew up in Texas." And I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "I used to live in Austin." I was like, "Oh, I went to A and M." He was like, "Aggie, you're an Aggie." Uh, and literally from that day on, every day he saw me, he'd be like, "Aggie, <laughs> damn Odell, you're an Aggie." And and literally every time he saw those first thing he'd say, "Like, what's up, Aggie? How you feeling?" <laughs> That's nice. You writing good. <laughs> and uh and then he but after you know he would always ask me how i'm doing and as stupid as it sounds it was like i'm not important enough for you to know how i'm doing why do you care oh he cares i yeah, know it is in it's just and it just that was that's so that's all my favorite memory of him is just him screaming aggie at me and then <laughs> literally just asking me how my day was and just you know that's shooting nice. the breeze with me like you know i was somehow on his level yeah, and, uh, that's very yeah. sweet. It's that, it's it, that it, humility, it, I think. Yeah, and I think that just gave me confidence during my internship and further in life. Because I remember after my internship, and then like I saw him at an E3, and he was just like, oh, what's up, man? How you been? How's this game industry treating you? And, you know, he would just give me words of encouragement. It would just be, it was kind of one of those things. It was like, you know a superstar? And it's weird that you know a superstar because you tell people you know them, and they like get like, there's no way you're on the first name basis. I'm like, yeah, I am. He's, he's a guy that like loves games, ride bikes and has like a really nice car. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a pretty good life overall. Um, sure. but yeah, when I think of like, I don't know, the most revealing moments of working with Andy, it's a lot of him screaming about, you know, top 50 lists and top 10 lists and all that uh, good stuff <laughs> flailing around like a madman. But I think of, I went to, and it's maybe a strange place for it, but I went to three, um, GameStop conferences with him. Uh, yeah, I think it's been, it was three overall, which was a lot of traveling. And I was just fascinated by it, just like, you know, because I felt so separate from GameStop. It's like, what is this world over here? I want to see what this is like. And going there, seeing like publishers interact with the GameStop managers and just give away a mountain of free stuff for them to try and make sure they're super excited about selling their stuff at the stores was just a side of the industry that was fascinating. And it really stood out to me that Andy, we would um, we would sign autographs. We would sign like covers of Game Informer, and uh, GameStop managers would come through, and it just blew my mind for hours and hours and hours how genuinely thankful Andy was to the GameStop managers. I think there's people in the industry that's like Ugh, GameStop. I think we're all a little bit like Ugh, GameStop, rightfully so in some cases. Um, but at the same time, Andy just had a good perspective on that. That like. It's not, I have no frustration with the managers. Like they're all cool people by and large who love games and also have been helping to make Game Informer as successful as it's been throughout the years. So it was like this amazing level of gratitude that I don't think I expected going into it, but it was completely genuine. Even like, you know, we'd be having breakfast in the morning and we'd be like, seriously, like 
thank these people. Like they, they're <laughs> responsible for us having jobs. Uh, and I think it was a really nice kind of, you know, a grassroots approach to, to fostering positivity with between Game Informer and GameStop. Yeah. Uh, um, and I know people were pretty bummed out. Uh, I saw, you know, a fair amount of comments being like, oh my God, I can't imagine Game Informer without Andy. And it's like, yes, it, it will be different. It'll change. But I don't know if you noticed, but, um, everything in life changes all the time and that's kind of the point of life and so at some point yeah yeah so at some point you just have to sit back and embrace it see where it takes us you know it's not a matter of oh it's doomed or or now it's going to be uh, a blessing overall it's just it's going to be different new people will come in new people will leave um you know give everybody the benefit of the doubt over there you know we we joked about um him going to la to be a performer yeah But one thing that he always did, it, it didn't happen a lot. I remember the first time I saw it was before the Assassin's Th- Creed 3 cover, I think it was. I was still pretty early there at Game Informer. I remember he came to our back bullpen and literally acted out the whole demo that Ubisoft had given him. <laughs> like, just as like, this is what happened, and this happened, and then and this then guy Connor's in the trees act. like this, and it's well, yeah. and then, well, there's like an arrow. The, yeah. <laughs> and I always, I always joked with him, because we would get those every couple of months, like if he uh-huh. saw a demo and he would share it with us. And like... I remember occasionally I'd be like, dude, we just need to like film one of these and just like have you present this like demo that you saw, like screw like a written preview, just have like a video of uh-huh. you explaining it. And uh, I hope he still has an opportunity to do that. I hope he still has an opportunity to perform game demos <laughs> to, to an excited audience. <laughs> yeah, he can do his wonderful reenactments of how impossible it is to enjoy Breath of the Wild. <laughs> Stuck oh, in a river. Oh, yeah, that's it a really... classic. We, we, he did that one for me all the time. Oh, man, all the hits. All the hits are coming out. Um, yeah, Andy was such a wise person, I think. That was another thing that really came through. Uh, <laughs> Jeff, um, do you have more thoughts on Because I this agree topic? with him on Breath of the Wild. Yeah, it's a nice time to salute his career overall, and I'm really happy that he took over hosting for the Game Informer show after I left. Um, And it's crazy to me that I really believe that the reason he took over the Game Informer show, or at least like a big nudge in that direction, was from the community member Chris Cochlin, Cochin, Cochlin. No one knows how to pronounce his last name. Mm -hmm. But I called him before I left Game Informer just to get his just like a random well not random a very strong member of the community's read on you know what it's gonna be like if i leave what kind of things we should focus on in mid max stuff like that um and he immediately was like who's taking over the game informer show and i was like yeah i don't know who do you think should and he's like oh andy mcnamara i was like of course i I hadn't even thought of it and it took a fair amount of convincing to try and nudge him in that direction so i don't know if he would have done it if that ball didn't start rolling from the community and now i'm so thankful that he did because it's been seven months of him hosting it and I've listened to every episode. It's been good. Um, and I think it's a nice opportunity for the community to get to know him a little bit better. Obviously he's a legend. He's had letters from the editor in so many magazines and stuff like that, but he's such a, uh, a quirky personality that it's nice that the community hopefully has grown more attached to him through the podcasting world, you know? Totally. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I so agree. great. Please check out the latest episode of the game of former show podcast. It'll be Andy's goodbye. Um, it should be an interesting one. And just a reminder that things change. Uh, whoever the new host is, uh, please be nice to them. You know, I was, <laughs> I was talking to this mysterious person and trying to reassure them. They're like, Tim and I got a lot of crap for not being Helgeson. I'm sure Andy got some emails about like, what happened to that other guy? People will level out. It'll all be fine in the long run. Uh, so please enjoy that despite 
any and all changes happening over there. Um, and a lot of people reach out, of course, to be like, hey, you're going to do an exit interview with Andy? Because we've done a lot of interviews with people when they leave the industry or leave a job, like Dan Reichert or Kyle Bossman, Mike Mahardy. Um, I would love to. Loose plans are up in the air, but I'm sure Andy's having a tough emotional time with this you know, transition and all that stuff. So it's kind of in his court. But uh, yes, we would love to, and we'll, we'll try our best to make it happen. But it all comes down to, comes down to his schedule. Um, hey, 2020, everybody, huh? What a year. <laughs> it's a weird one. <laughs> Obviously a disaster in a lot of different aspects, but focusing on the games, uh, I feel really, really, really good about 2020. In fact, I dare say, in the world of video games, I love this year compared to the last several years in games. How, how much of that is because of Final Fantasy VII Remake? I'd say 98% of it. 90%? Yeah. Oh, even higher. Okay. No, I think it's been strong just for the first half of a year. I think there's been a lot of really strong releases, a lot of varied releases. It's all over the place. Odell, what do you think about 2020 so far? You know, I think it's pretty good. Uh, I just got over COVID-19, so... I'm feeling great at the moment. Congratulations. <laughs> oh, oh, hang on. Yeah, what the... So, you had coronavirus you want to walk us through maybe without too many graphic details like what that was like oh yeah so um june 15th i will say my official day is probably when i start having symptoms i had a fever for 14 days straight probably 12 but 14 sounds better it's two weeks sure. nice number <laughs> uh, a pounding headache i didn't have trouble breathing thank god but I mean, I had zero energy. I couldn't get out of bed. I had to force myself to eat and drink. Like, I was, it, was, it zapped me so much that even being, like, extremely thirsty, I had to force myself just to do that. And I was discombobulated. I've never had fever dreams in my life until now. The oh, last wow. dream I had was a goose appeared before me and was like, I'm going to get you through this. And then the goose ate my sickness. And I remember I felt better the next day. <laughs> so wild. All right. Yeah. Do you want to hang on? Do that, you wanna, you know, do you wanna, that's when the doctors say that you're over it. Yeah, like, do you want to tell that dream? You're good. I mean, does Anthony Fauci know about this goose? Do, is there anything we can do? <laughs> he doesn't, but I need to inform him. But I knew it was bad because maybe like day 10, I was like, I could watch TV because too much stimulus like would mess me up. And I tried to play like my Switch, and with five minutes of doing that, like I was out. Like I had expended way too much energy, mm. and that's when I knew I was like, "Oh God, yeah, this this is for real. Like, I I need help." Oh boy. Uh, so outside of that, uh, how how has <laughs> gaming been so far in twenty twenty? Twenty twenty has been good game wise. My personal favorite game of the year so far is still Ori and Will of the Wisp wow. on PC because Xbox somehow destroyed that. I, I don't know how. Like, it was a buggy mess. But yeah, uh, Ori is still up there. Final Fantasy is great. I'm one trophy away from, from the Platinum. Oh, wow. But yeah, me personally, I'm not a fan of drastically changing a story. So in my Easy. mind, it's more of a new game than a remake. I, I don't know if I'm a classic, you know... I'm an old man shaking my cane at the sky, scared of change and clouds, but I thought Final Fantasy 7 to me is a solid 8. It's, it's a great game. I love what they did with it, but it's, it's missing something. 
All right. Well, it's been nice to have you on, Odell. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. We're losing the signal at this point. It's missing okay, something. It up. Man, Final Fantasy VII Remake was really good until like the last uh, little percentage there. No, <laughs> no. It, it, just, it just gets interesting is all. I That is... So, what, Chapter 9 with the Hell House and the whole dress... Easy. Easy with the spoilers. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry. I mean, we're still okay. in hypersensitive spoiler mode for, for Final Fantasy VII. Oh. It's still a remnant from doing the deepest dive and being so worried about it for so long. But I, oh, sorry. Final Fantasy VII it, Remake is by far my favorite game of the year so far. I should point out, we're still in the middle of The Last of Us Part Two. Uh, we're yeah. exactly at the halfway point for the deepest dive, our big game close discussion. So all these discussions, keep that in mind that Jeff and I at least have not finished. Odell, have you finished Last of Us Part Two? Uh, I have not. Okay. Uh, but with Final Fantasy VII... It's still my game of the year, and I acknowledge that it is, it is a wonky, weird thing. Structurally, it has its quirks. I mean, there's a fair amount of just running down a linear path with walls of junk on either side doing a extremely mediocre fetch quests. I, I accept all those faults. I still think there is some charm in that wonky construction and how bold it gets out at times, how faithful it gets at times. It's just, I would... Um, like to take that game and cut it up into little pieces and swallow it. I love it so much. So if anybody can that's, help me with that. That's kind of what Square Enix is doing a little bit, right? Cutting it up into pieces. <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I, it's, it's certainly like it, like looking at, you know, my top five even right now. It's it's on there. It's just not my number one personally, you know. Yeah. Thank you, Kyle. Thank you. Jeff, <laughs> where are you sitting for Game of the Year so far? You're, a, you're an odd duck. Uh, Final Fantasy is up there for me certainly um i'm i'm interested in seeing where the last of us is going because that's also right up there with me and i i feel like those two i'm going to have to finish the last of us and then just kind of sit on it for a couple months so that i can look back on both of them because i'm right in the middle of the last of us now and i'm kind of looking back on you know like all the good memories of final fantasy are Mm -hmm. still the ones that are coming up in the you know the whatever problems I had with it are kind of fading in the background. And so I kind of need that perspective with the last of us at the same time. But right now I think those are the, you know, the two big ones for Here, me. Here's a real question for you, Kyle, without spoiling anything. When playing the last of us part two, at what point in the game do you think it was locked in as your game of the year so far? Um, well, thank you for assuming it's my game of the year. <laughs> I assume, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I think, although I think Odell bringing up Ori, is like that's a honestly like a close second. Oh wow! Like, I really like Ori a lot, but yeah, I, I think Thank I would you. I would put Last of Us at the top, and I mean, um, I would say like at maybe about the sixty to seventy percent mark when you're like past the halfway point of the game. So okay, I don't you know obviously I'm not going to say any more than that. Like it, so, the next discussion for the game club should be the one where we go. Oh, Kyle's right. I, I mean, maybe it's it's. It, like it's a larger reflection than that but like mm-hmm. there's there's things that last of us does that's like really cool and like narratively and I like it, it's not even just like i really like the stealth and i really like the story it's just like structure and like thematic elements and stuff like i, I it would be my number one i think i think i even like it more than last of us one at this yeah. point i i already some, like it more than last of us part one myself yeah. but uh i put up a twitter poll uh, to see where the community's at. And uh, it's the most accurate, fair Twitter poll I could possibly imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. This is at Midmax Show, if you want to follow us on Twitter, by the way. Um, so I said, hey, what's your game of the year so far? Uh, 23% chose Final Fantasy VII Remake. 
Animal Crossing was 22%. Last of Us Part 2, 33.4%. And then 21.4% was other. Um, and I said, mm-hmm. hey, if it's other, do you want to write out what your top choice would be? Um, the winner from just that simple tally is uh, Ori. Uh, the majority of oh, people okay. who chose others said that Ori was their game of the year for 2020 so far. Uh, Doom Eternal is behind that. And then it's a grab bag of other stuff. Persona 5 Royale, a lot of people are including uh, for the new content, just experiencing that this year. Half-Life Alex came up a couple times. I think it's interesting that you didn't interrupt anybody to talk about Half-Life Alex yet, Kyle. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if we want to share our lists, but it would probably be like Last of Us, Ori, then Final Fantasy, then Half-Life. Maybe? Really? That's shocking. That's a, it's above Final Fantasy. That seems crazy to me. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe you'd have to... I, I also, like, it's that weird thing where, like, even though it's an impressive game, it's like, wow, VR is incredible. Like, I still would just always rather play a non-VR game. I just get more out of non-VR games in general. I just feel like you miss a lot of people when it's VR only, like myself included, oh, sure, just because sure. I just don't got the setup. I would love to play it, but that probably won't be anytime soon. Right, yeah. right. It's a bummer. Even if stuff like Iron Man VR, which is coming out this week, I, I wanted to try. It's just that feeling of, ah, what am I going to do? Buy a PlayStation headset. I wish I could crawl back into the game former office and just borrow theirs real quick. Hey, without handing there, there maybe. Right now. What's that? I don't think anyone's there right now. Oh my god! Yeah, I could just come and pretend I'm a mover and hauling all of Andy's junk out of his office and then put on that PS4 headset. There you real, go. Sounds aside, like a plan. Can you imagine the process of cleaning out that office? <laughs> I cannot. There's that's the great. There's so many beautiful relics in there, and I saw somebody tweet. Uh, but like, oh, good thing you let Hanson uh, auction off all your old T-shirts to make moving easier. Because for Extra <laughs> Life, uh, this last year at Game Informer, we auctioned off Andy's old T-shirt collection, which was amazing. There were, you know, Way of the Warrior, Naughty Dog shirts in there. Just a ton of shirts from the early 90s, like um, uh, FX chip T-shirts. It was just an awesome collection, but it also saved him the hassle of <laughs> moving hundreds of pounds of T-shirts. Which one <laughs> sold, what sold the most or oh. auctioned off? That's a good question. I was shocked at how low some of these things were going. You know, it's that tough thing to be like, no, you guys, this is worth more because this is like an original Odd World t-shirt. And it's like, uh, it, 20 bucks. It's like, damn it. <laughs> this <can't be> more. <laughs> um, I'm trying to remember. It was always, let's see, we had a, a bag that had like a Zelda 64 pin on it. Maybe that was pretty high up there before it was Ocarina of Time because that bag also had notes uh-huh. uh, from Andy seeing ocarina of time for the first time and he's like trying to take notes on z targeting and stuff and then the bag also had a ton of his old lighters in it which still worked which is amazing <laughs> so hey good times um anyways okay half of alex is up there uh journey to the savage planet came up uh i think more than once which is exciting i think jeff yeah, and i that, are in the same camp of yeah. we should get back to that at some point yeah that that was one that i wanted to remember for this conversation i i don't know how high it would end up being on my on my list but um yeah, it's one I want to get back to, and it's one I'll keep in mind for when we do our... Did we did we do top five or top ten? We did two tens. Yeah, but our personal Oh, list. personal, we did top ten. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I could make that. I could see it making that. Oh, nice. Also, the community uh, suggested Warzone, which is something that's like, oh, yeah, of course. I completely forgot about that. Uh, Xenoblade, yeah. Streets of Rage 4. Streets of Rage 4 came up a, a surprising amount. Resident Evil 3. Uh, I was happy to see that brought up. That's definitely one of those games that... You know, we blasted through it, talked about it, kind of moved on. And I think the opinion is, in retrospect, collectively a little bit like, eh, wasn't as good as two, move on. But I still, 
I will defend Resident Evil 3. I think that game is very fun and very good. As not a huge Resident Evil fan, so I understand there's a lot of particulars that people are upset with and how they treat Nemesis compared to the original game, stuff like that. But just as an experience on its own, I think Mm -hmm. it was great. And as somebody that uh, is a complete coward and scared of everything and is really stupid and terrible at puzzles, like Resident Evil 3 course corrected in positive directions for both those things for me by not really having any puzzles and not really being too scary it was just perfect i mean um, it's it's for me it's one of those games that just burned like really hot and fast like yeah. i really liked playing through it but like i think even like two months ago i was like oh, i gotta clear up some hard drive space and resident evil 3 was on the chopping block just because yeah. like even though i really liked it i was like i don't think i'm gonna replay yeah. it or anything you're, you're not you know? gonna go back to it and it, it also is that double-edged sword where i think yeah those of us i didn't play the, the original and i think the game is best for people like me and you who aren't comparing it to you know yeah. the legacy of the original game but it's it's those legacy people who kind of keep a game alive over a long period of time and if they were disappointed with it you know it kind of falls by the wayside. Yeah. I think for me personally, I can't play Resident Evil games either because I get way too scared and way too jittery. When I was, you know, going through my list of games so far the year I loved and making sure I didn't miss one and I saw Resident Evil 3 and I was like, oh yeah, that that, that came out. Yeah. And I was just, and I feel like most people feel like that about the game. It's not that they, you know, hate it or love it. They're just kind of like, oh yeah, you know what Kyle said, it, it burned bright and fast and then the, the, the community collectively just seemed to move on. Right, right. Even stuff, yeah, like uh, Dragon Ball Z Kakarot. It's like, oh yeah, that was this year that came out. I, I had a good time with that. I'm glad I finished that thing. Um, yeah, also, you beat that one, didn't I you? I genuinely beat it. I super did. I didn't ever go back to the DLC, which I've been meaning to. <laughs> now, um, Jeff, I'm beating a game is where you play it a lot and like usually you see credits. <laughs> is what happens. <laughs> F you, Jeff. <laughs> just I think I think it's Discord video for us. Um, also, people brought up Man Eater, Neo Two, which was twenty twenty. Oh, Neo. Multiple oh, people, yeah. multiple people brought up SpongeBob SquarePants, the remaster. People really love that game. Um, and then uh, Stereo Vasquez uh, wrote in just to let us know Kentucky Route Zero game of the year. Also, shout yeah, out sure, to Andrew. I'm sure Jamie's shouting about it too. Yeah, the, um, that'll be an interesting discussion when we come to the end of year to try and find the placement there because I played through it and had a fine time with it, but I I wish it had that personal spark that it seemed to have for people like Surreal or JV or I think a lot of people out there. So maybe maybe they can convince me. Um, I saw PlayStation announced a new indie game on Wednesday called Where the Heart Is that looks a little bit like Kentucky Route Zero. It's kind of a, a funky adventure uh, from a, a wide perspective there. Um, other things this year, Jeff, that has stood out to you? Monster Train. Oh, of course. Is yeah, one Monster I still Train. really like. Yep. Uh, I haven't I haven't played it much recently anymore, but even, even as I was thinking about games uh, this morning, as soon as I thought of it, I was like, oh, yeah, I want to go back and play more of that too. Yeah, it, it, it's a it's and it's a good kind of I have a short window of time, you know, just one off one off random times for games. Um, that's a that's a good one to go back to. Yeah. Um, and that was the game that was like Slay the Spire. It's still exclusive to PC at this point. Yeah, um, but I definitely don't miss that one. Um, I always forget about the games that are in early access or have left early access. But there's stuff like Deep Rock Galactic. Um, which went into 1.0 if you enjoy co-op mining and it's basically a lot of little missions going on runs, collecting resources, fighting waves of bugs as you're digging down into this, uh, you know, 
some good sci-fi environments. Uh, I played it for a couple hours with a group of four friends and had a good time with it. I don't think I was as over the moon as I think some people in the community have been. People have been screaming, like, Deep Rock Galactic's getting shunned. It deserves its time in the sun. Um, it seems like a cool experience, and I'm curious what the progression's like if we keep going with it. Um, but then another uh, on, one that on came... On that topic, Hanson, uh, Fortnite saved the world. It's it's out. I know. It's finally out. I so. know. <laughs> I am fascinated by that. Yeah, somebody wrote in about that later, but uh, okay, that, good, that good. crazy idea that, yeah, so now Fortnite is no longer in beta, right? They, they did it. They finally released that game. You know, I, I'm, I'm rooting for them. You know, I hope it finds its audience, uh-huh. they, you know? <laughs> the, uh, that's the crazy thing, though, with Save the World, like their non-Battle Royale mode in that game, now they're charging for it? I, I guess they always were. They were, just, they were debating if it was going to be free-to-play or premium, and they decided to go premium. Okay. I think they also renamed it the other mode. Ha! <laughs> That's insulting. You know, I still remember going to PAX West. It was uh, 2017 or 2018. I don't remember exactly. I could Google the date. And they just had a booth. Y- y'all have been to PAX West. You know, they have like the mega indie area. Like that's on like the fifth floor. Yeah. And they had a little booth and you could hit the pinata and take a picture of the pinata. And I remember playing the game and being like, you know, this is a great tower defense game. Right. It seems fun. I bet people have fun with this, and then you know, fast forward later, and I'm just like, "Welcome to that tower defense game." Why am I so wrong about this? It came out this week, man. It's out. Yeah, the tower defense game where you watch Inception. Yeah, it's very <laughs> a small impact on culture. Um, also, in the early access world, uh, Hades uh, from yeah. Supergiant is one that we played for the Great Goatee Hunt. I played a little bit uh, separate than that. I think it's really great. I know it just had a big update, and there's going to be a couple more minor updates before it goes 1.0 they say this year but that's one that i'm sure is going to be somewhere in the running when we actually talk about the official game of the year for min max and stuff overall because it seems like a very good uh roguelite um also crazy year for tactical games i mean you got gears tactics xcom chimera squad coming out within like a week of each other and then you can never forget jeffem's favorite dark crystal tactics um, right. Never stop talking about it overall. Uh, it's yeah, it's interesting to look back on the game so far this year and try and come up with your own to do list. Like one of mine is play more Warzone. All my friends are obsessed with Warzone. I've played a decent amount, but not to the amount that I played Blackout. So I need to give that much more of a shake than I have. Um, I still I linger over the Journey to the Savage Planet icon all the time on my PC. Like, should I go back to this? I know it's a shorter game. I should probably finish it. Does anybody else have to-dos in 2020 so far? Well, all my friends are, like, currently nonstop playing Apex, and I'm just kind of like, I still got to go into work. Well, I haven't been because I was sick, but, like, apparently quarantine and Apex go hand in hand because... (laughs) Every one of my friends lives on PlayStation is playing it nonstop. I can't even watch like a show without getting three invites. So I'm just like, get better at Apex. It's <laughs> good. Goal. I mean, on that topic, I, I, Valorant. I really liked what I played at Valorant, oh, and I'd like yeah. to play more. I haven't played it since it officially launched, and I imagine going in there is just going to be like, just I'm going to just get destroyed. It's going to be like, slaughter. I, I like what I played though. I'd like to play more of it. I think you're totally right. Yeah, maybe we should line something up because I'm. I've been interested in playing more as well, and I'm trying to remember if it auto-fills out your team or how that works. It Maybe was, we could find five yeah. of us to to try and just get annihilated together in that game at some point. <laughs> Teamwork. Yeah, exactly. Um, but hell of a year so far. Let us know in the comments what your game of the year is if we haven't hit on it yet. Uh, if we had to come to an assessment and an agreement on MinMax's game of the year so far, do you think there's the most collective... I, Last of Us, we haven't finished. 
So that's off the table. Okay. At this point, would it be Final Fantasy VII? I would be okay with it. If, ah. if it was, if we're in an argument, I wouldn't. I would say, let's see what happens. But if it won, I wouldn't complain. I mean, it comes down to like, would Jeff put Monster Train above Final Fantasy VII? What What was your runner-up, Kyle? Um, will Ori Ooh. and like Half Life Alex are and are kind of you know the other ones outside yeah. of Last of Us and Final Fantasy. Well, I have to restart Ori because it I got stuck behind a gate and it it bugged my game and uh, it, so I have I have uh, lost all my progress on that one. So, well, I it? guess Final Fantasy. All right. <laughs> Victory. I mean, it's a good game. Like I said, I I I really actively dislike the ending of that game. Right. But like it's a good game. I I'm, I would We'll revisit the conversation, obviously, but like I, I would like to see where you guys land on uh, Last of yeah. Us in the long term. Yeah. Sure. yeah, I mean that that's obviously one Ghost of Tsushima we yeah. still yeah, I'm really have to talk about, and Cyberpunk. So even as you know, as hot as I am on both the Last of Us and Final Fantasy at this point, like those other two are two big ones that could that could be right up there for me. So, yeah. yeah. You know, I find The Last of Us weird because it's not a bad game in any way. Uh-oh. But and I'm enjoying it, but I feel like it's definitely a game that you only appreciate it once you get to the end because as I'm playing it in my mind I'm trying to be like, why is this the best game ever? Why is this the best game ever? Yeah. And I realized yeah. with the original Last of Us, I didn't think it was the best game ever until the credits rolled and then I reflected. And so in my mind I'm like as great as the game is, should it only be great after I finish and can reflect? Shouldn't it be great all the way through? I think if you that's didn't why have, I'm hesitant to be like game of the year. But if you didn't have the internet screaming at you, either this game is abomination upon man or it's the greatest <laughs> game ever. You know, if you just didn't have the internet screaming in general, I don't think you would be that up in your head about it. I think you'd just be enjoying it as it goes. Um, I'm predicting a situation. That's that, yeah, I think it's gonna be like end of the year situation where logically i will think that the last of us is the best game but my heart will want final fantasy 7 so it'll be fun mm. that fun split to look forward to for everybody i'm sure yeah. um it's currently my game of the year because just just experiencing the game from a to z i was just like i'm loving this it's amazing it's great i get to the end and i'm just like <laughs> He's melting down uh, if you're listening to the audio he's turning into a puddle on the floor um Hey, Odell, what's, uh, you played the Pokemon DLC, Isle of Armor? Yes, I am currently playing it, loving it. I don't, I don't know how we work in a DLC game. Like, do we, can, can we count that as a contender? But I sure. can say it took everything I loved about the original game and just gave me more of that and a more realized Pokemon world. It was kind of like, okay, this is what we're doing. We're just really experimenting on how to make the best Pokemon game and we keep adding stuff. So if you gave me the Isle of Armor and the new Pokemon Snap graphics, I would just be, it's the game of the year. I don't care. <laughs> Screw y'all. That's where I would be at. The, so but, uh, it's so it's like the open environment, it's, God, how did I already forget this? Wild area. Um, yeah. Is it, from watching their previews and stuff, it had me hoping that what they're going for is this is them testing the waters for that being the structure for an entire Pokemon game. Does it feel like that? Like they're just like doubling down on that design philosophy of would this work just to create an open area and have people explore it on their own? Yeah, it's really doubling down that because, for example, uh, you you start your quest of what you need to do, but once you start doing it, there's nothing stopping you from being like, I'm just going to keep exploring the world. Yeah. Like the game keeps living and existing 
you know, without, you know, of course, some things are quest gated. You can't enter some places without doing the thing. But I found myself being like, man, this is, it's just the entire game. It's just, you know, it's like MMO style stuff's happening. Pokemon are doing stuff. NPCs are doing stuff. And then there's the actual what's going on quest wise. And I, at first, I remember Uh-oh. it. it what a nightmare like you said at the beginning show they changed <gasps> and i was like and this is what the proper term would be while the area is just constantly being a factor and um like i gotta when I right before I got sick, I was just like, "Oh, let me just explore as much as I can, then go back to the story." And I spent like five hours, and I was like, "I don't know where I'm at." Adele, we stop. lost half that because you were turning into a robot and uh, your internet was breaking <laughs> down. But it sounds good. Uh, oh, thanks. Sorry about that. Is it? Uh, is it like crazy high level stuff? Like I beat the game, I did the post game stuff, but I didn't really focus on the raids or anything like that in Pokemon Sword and Shield. Would I be overwhelmed if I picked up this DLC, or is it? It's Pokemon. You, it's a cakewalk. I I feel you will honestly be overwhelmed. There's a lot. Really? There's a lot. I felt overwhelmed. Oh, yeah. weird. That's how much is going on. Okay. All right. I mean, to be to be clear, it's like a, a new wild area, right? Uh, it's it's more of the region. It's kind of like it's called the Isle of Armor. So the new area, all of it's a wild area. So okay. it's kind of like if you took the main game and just made it, even the routes, the routes, the buildings, everything's a wild area. It's a it's like MMO style, like think like World of Warcraft, but with Pokemon. No matter where okay. you go, Pokemon walking around, there's quests to do, there's things to do, items to collect. So you, you leave the mainland, you leave Galar, you go to this island off the west coast, right? I had to look this up to try to help my kid find it. Um, <laughs> and then it's just that whole section is, an, is a wild area, right? Yeah. Okay, that's cool. I, I want to check it out just to see what Game Freak is experimenting in. And the other one is... The other batch of DLC is coming out in the fall. Is that right or winter? Uh, the I guess fall, winter. Is, I, I believe it's slated as fall. The Crown Tundra. Ah, that's right. That's the winter vibe. Cool. That's the Isle of Armor. Um, Jeff Marquiafava, you mentioned a game called Desperados Three. Yeah. What is this thing? Uh, you know, that was my initial impression too. Um, I I sheepishly have to admit that I had never even heard of the Desperados franchise. Yeah. Um, but I, I, you know, got a random press release about it and it was, it, it's a Western game. So I thought, Oh, here's another Western that I cannot finish. Oh, great. <laughs> um, but it, it was, it's a real time strategy game. And so at, at first that, what? that turned me off because yeah, I don't, I don't really play or like real time strategy games in the vein of like starcraft and stuff yeah but the thing that got me was that it was comparing it to commandos the old that old like which i guess was a real-time strategy franchise but it's it's more of a kind of squad based real-time it's more tactics kind of game yeah yeah so think think more of like the kind of modern crpgs like divinity yeah uh, you know that vein of an three iso- D isometric world where you're moving a few characters around and doing these battles, but Desperados Three, despite being a Western, is all kind of stealth based. 
Oh, interesting. And so, and so the gameplay is much, much closer to a Hitman style game where they will drop you on just a huge map, and you are you are trying to navigate around it and kind of kill off groups of enemies, you know, one by one, so that they don't raise an alarm and stuff. But that seems um, but, really cool. So it's sitting on overwhelmingly positive on Steam as well. Yeah, which, which was the other thing that that once I started looking up, I was like, oh my god, like people are actually really enjoying this and it's, it's doing really well um and so i'm i'm a couple missions into it and i can i can totally understand why it's doing so well because the it has just a ton of really smart systems built into it and i'm i'm playing on xbox and so they've they've managed to translate the control scheme and everything really well it's on ps4 too um but but so you have like the you know, like the vision cones of enemies, but you can only activate one at a time. So you're you're kind of picking people as you're going. But the but it it does just a great job of conveying all of the important information about where enemies can see you, if they if they will be able to see you if you're crouched, if they can hear you based on you know what actions you are doing. And then the extra cool thing is that at any time you can pause the game and kind of program out your next actions. So that, you know, once you execute the plan, it will go through that flawlessly. But because you have multiple characters, you can sync up, you know, moves to be to be committed at the same time. Yeah. Is it, uh, and so it, is yeah. it on Game Pass? Uh, no, it's not. Okay. Yeah, it's um, published by THQ Nordic, which was which was another, you know, reason I was kind of interesting. And it's it's kind of heartening that you know, they're actually doing a good job with this old franchise. Yeah. Because they have a lot of old franchises at this point that I want to see come back, like Time Splitters. Yeah, I mean, when was the last Desperados? Did you look into this history a little bit? Oh, I God. didn't, know. Okay, well, I just did. Um, 2006 was Desperados 2. Cooper's wow. Revenge, it was called. So, like, what a weird, yeah. dormant franchise. You're you're playing as John Cooper, and you're looking for a guy named Frank, and that's about all the <laughs> story I've got so far. But it it's like the production values are super good. Yeah. Um, you know, it is it is that zoomed out. You're you're looking at very small people, but it, but the animation is all really good, and it looks really great. And I have just been super surprised by how much I've enjoyed the combat. It's I should also say that it's also built really heavily on quick saves and quick loads, which the game both handles well and it, it actively encourages you. In fact, there it will pop up a timer like reminding you like every minute. Like if if you go a minute without saving by default, which you mm-hmm. can you can set it to whatever time length you want, it will start reminding you like, hey, you should really save because it's it's all very experimental. But that's kind of that's the kind of thing that everyone has said about you know Divinity and all of those kind of CRPGs, but it's just it's been hard for me to get into those games because you know they're like eighty hour games and there's so much lore and every you know like dialogue between characters and, and you know all of that depth that CRPG fans want. But I have always kind of I've just wanted to get to the experimental and interesting gameplay, and this right. one is you know that's the main focus with this one. That's awesome. Desperados 3. I will check it out. Maybe we can put it in the running for Great Goatee Hunt next week. Yeah. Sweet. Um, did you guys, uh, the rest of y'all, you get a chance to check out Min Min in Smash, the DLC? Uh, yeah, I played her a bit. I played the classic arcade mode, which is now 
kind of become my my tradition when a new fighter comes out. I just play through the the single player campaign. That's really smart. I just jump in with some CPUs for a while, and it's like, okay, I get it, but that's a much better way to actually experience like what they're yeah. doing with the character. And then you get the little badge on them. It's so rewarding. <laughs> it's very satisfying. <laughs> I was a little bit underwhelmed by Min Min. Like, ha- not having the special abilities on B kind of made her feel a little bit flatter and more boring than another new character with maybe some bigger, flashier special moves. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I, I wasn't like, it's funny. I've never like gotten a new Smash character and been like, oh, here's my new main. Like this, yeah. they did it. Congratulations. It's always like, yeah, they're fun. They're fun. And Min Min was maybe the first of like all the DLC characters where I was just kind of like, I don't think I really get her. I her? think I recognize how to get her. I see how people could use her. I don't think I'm that person. It was kind of no. my initial reaction. When I was playing with her, I was just kind of like. This is going to be a very technical character that somebody's going to figure out how to be a beast yeah. with. But since everyone, you know, more or less knows how to play the game, the second anyone gets in close to her, I'm just kind of like, what can she do to stop the rush? Yeah, it's that, like, it's, that, I think it's just, it, it pushes me outside of my Smash Brothers comfort zone of getting in close and punching really hard. Where it's like, you're you kind want of, the like, Falcon I don't want to stay back. I don't like characters that use guns. Like, I'm just, that's, you know, like my preference is always the sword characters and stuff like that. But hang on, you like and Link. Min-Min and he's feels like, like a, a middle ground between like a, a brawler and a long range character. And it's like, it's it's weird, you know? Right, right. But you like Link, right? And he's, he's a Ranger Palooza over there. Yeah, I guess that's true. But I mean, I just, I, <clears throat> but I, I use those, I use the bow and arrow when people are like uh, near the edge and they're falling. But outside of that, I don't really throw bombs much. I just like to get in with the sword a lot. You know? Weird. Right. I like that downward stab. I'm, like, I'm a big fan of that move. Well, I mean, yeah, it's a satisfying is, move. This is the first time a new character came out. You know, everyone starts playing them. And usually I'll be fighting and I'll see like, oh, man, look at all these people doing all this pro stuff. But this is the first time I was like, oh, it's a min min. I'm probably just going to win. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, because uh, I remember like when... Uh, uh, Banjo Kazooie came out when, especially when Hero came out. People were just doing crazy things because they already kind of fit the Smash mold, and they were just, you know, I'm like, hey, I'm just trying to have fun with the character. But they're like, no, I'm, I, I, my, my win lose record is impeccable. You can't beat me. But not, <laughs> but when Min came out, it was just kind of like, oh, you, you probably don't know what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> and oh, yeah, that's not anything against the character. I just think it's it's the first time that new characters came out. That wasn't being like, okay, people are dominating with them. You're seeing them. It was just kind of like, oh, we played it and it's not for me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't want to come off as like overly negative. Like I love the weird characters it's and I like OC. that they're trying something unique with her, but it just was like, for me, I, it is, it was just a, definitely a reaction of like, okay, this is for like a really high level player, which I am not. You right. Know? Right. Yeah. Uh, a lot of moments where I, I changed arms and I go to punch and then I'm hitting them in the air and I can feel the other player being like, yeah, bro. Like, I'm I'm not I'm not gonna destroy you. Like, I know you're having fun. We're having fun. I was like, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Min Min's the apologists. Smash. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Just like Min Max overall. Uh, Kyle, you mentioned a game called Mortal Shell. Yeah. What is this? So it's um, it's uh, it's uh, I, I'm gonna clear my throat a lot for some reason. <laughs> uh, we'll let you uh, give a big presentation. Well, let me get my notes. Uh huh. He's chugging a full can of bubbly for people that can't mm. see. Dude, I cannot find orange bubbly anywhere. And you're drinking LaCroix. What's going on right now? Uh, well, LaCroix has, I don't know how to pronounce it, limoncello uh, as a okay. flavor, which, unbelievable. Uh, maybe my new number one sparkling water flavor. 
It's just what like kind a of flavor is that? It's like a vanilla lemon. Okay. I can get behind so, that. So the lemon is the limon and the vanilla is the cello? The vanilla is the cello. That's right. Yeah, they're all don't French, you forget right? it. Like they have pomplamoose instead of pineapple and stuff like that. Very fancy over at LaCroix. So anyway, Mortal Shell. <laughs> uh is um it's it's this it's a it's a game that is like heavily like the the guys behind this are, are huge Dark Souls fans. Like unapologetically, they're making mm. a Dark Souls game. But um they're like I played like an hour of a preview build that they were able to offer us and like I I I liked it. It's it's weird. It actually starts out it's got I it's like the new buzzword I think for this generation. It's like the HR Giger kind of creepy look. Like you play as this weird like white character that uh, have you guys all watched Westworld a little bit at least? Season 1, yeah. yeah. There's like you know when like there's they they have the robots that are like they're not people they're they're not they're just like these white creatures like that the kinda, opening kind of look yeah yes like you, it's like you're playing as one of those which oh, is weird huh. and instead of like having like a, a standard block you have an ability where you actually just like harden for a moment like you kind of turn to stone for what? a second that's cool and uh, which is cool and um and then what you do like the shell element of the title is like you're that weird white creature but then you find these bodies that you can like inhabit and that's kind of like they're like different classes almost and um there's just there's a the the countering is like really satisfying they do this thing like dark souls loves to put lots of descriptions about its items but also like not tell you what the items do necessarily like and uh so you kind of have to experiment or just google a lot which i don't i never love that I, i i don't love like the requirement of like searching for things outside of the game to learn about it necessarily. Mm -hmm. So what this game does is like you have all these items and they're kind of mysterious, but the more you use them, the more it like tells you about them. So like your character is kind of like actively learning about these items as you use them, which I think is kind of a cool idea. And then, but then it's like, it's also, uh, they, it's funny because the way I'm sure this is totally on purpose. The way it works is like when you, when you get out of the tutorial area and into this first area, there's these two enemies like sitting by a bonfire and you're like, okay, that's the bonfire. I'm going to go there. This is great. I know what I'm doing. I've played a dark souls before. And then you kill those guys and it's just like, oh no, this is just set dressing. And there's even a, like a joke later where you meet a character. There's like, what do you, you can't just like sit around a bonfire and like be healthy again. That's 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 not how this is going to (laughs) work. So, they strip some like common things like the combat feels very similar, but like you're not going to find bonfires. You're not, you don't really have an Estus flask. You have to rely more on items and items are more plentiful. So, I mean, and it's, it's just got a cool look to it. Like I, it's, it's it really good looking like dark souls. Yeah. 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 And it's, and it's like, it's not like hugely innovative. It's like, I don't think this is going to change like the from genre or whatever you want to call it. The souls born, I guess. But like, it seems like a really solid entry in there that like will sit beside Neo and um, you know, stuff like that. Like, and, and I, I, I want to play more of it. I, I, I liked it. I like the tone of it. It's like, it's somehow even creepier than dark souls, which is cool. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So it's scheduled to release 2021 right now. Mortal shell. Um, yeah, yeah. There's kind of an interesting trend of more indie projects that are more clearly inspired by uh, the souls formula. And I'm curious to like, are we learning that Miyamaki, uh, that Miyazaki is more special or less special than we thought? You know, like maybe once Mortal <laughs> Shell comes out, I'm just thinking about like all the Soulsborne clones. Are people like, oh, okay, it's not so hard to replicate this. It's a really satisfying formula. Or are people playing these and it's missing that Miyazaki je ne sais quoi, as LaCroix would yeah. say. 
I mean, they certainly no. there's certainly something that can be missed because there have been versions of the game that just haven't hit as well. But then there, I feel like I feel like Neo is maybe the best example of one that people really love that kind of borrows that from that formula the most. Or um, but, what was the sci-fi one? The one with the garbage uh, mech suits. The fact that I can't remember the name, I think, <laughs> is telling. But there were two of them, you know. Yeah. Uh, but the um, conduit. And, you know, well, what is it, Jeff? Um, you got an idea? Surge? Surge! Surge! Yes, there, you there did we it. go. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I like it's just just one of those played like a, a preview of it, played this preview build, and just a really good first impression. Like, oh, you good. know what I mean? Like one of those yeah. situations. So, cool. I liked what I played. Mortal Shell. We'll keep our eye on it. Um, there was an announcement earlier this week that, again, just reaffirmed that uh, 2020 is an amazing year for games. For games. Just to, <laughs> just to be very clear. Um, it's another one of those things of like, barely anybody cares about this, I'm sure, but this is just so up my alley, I was delighted. But Niantic, the Pokemon Go company, announced a collaboration with Punch Drunk, which is an immersive theater company. Um, They're famous in the States for like Sleep No More. When I was um, on the Batman Arkham night cover story trip with Game Informer in London, uh, Jeff Cork and I and some folks from Warner Brothers we went to their London show, which was an immersive theater presentation of something called The Drowned Man, where they just took over this entire warehouse in London, and the entire thing was a play, and you could wander around and piece clues together. Uh, genuinely one of the most amazing experiences of my life. Just blew my mind with the concept of immersive theater, which I did not know was a concept before that about just, oh, it's a play where you're kind of involved, and you can follow whichever storyline you want, and that actors will somehow interact with you every once in a while and you have to piece things together on your own you can dig through read stuff uh it's a very fun video game like experience so they're being a little bit cryptic now but basically the pokemon or the pokemon go company is going to be creating something with this immersive theater company so uh punch trunk statement on it is niantic's real world platform will give us the opportunity to take our work outside of buildings and into the world around you across multiple projects we want to bend the rules of genre and redefine the norms of mobile gaming our hope is that together we can create something that no one else can uh and then niantic says recently we asked ourselves what if we were the lead characters in an epic adventure movie our new collaboration with Punch Drunk might be the answer. Together, we're developing multiple projects that will reinvent storytelling for a 21st century audience and further expand the horizon of interactive entertainment. Very bombastic, over-the-top claims uh, from these yeah, folks. Yeah, I'm sure that that's exactly <laughs> those projects will be, but I it's, just, it's cool. Yeah. I just hope it's something really bizarre. It's still it, a game, right? It's still a game. I don't know. I think it's probably going to be a gamified story that you can piece together in the real real world using maps, which sounds like uh, my fantasy. Um, <laughs> and then looking at Niantic's site too, Jeff, did you know about this? That apparently Niantic made Pokemon Go, made this game yeah. called Harry Potter Wizards Unite, which I don't think the world has mentioned for over a year at this point. <laughs> um, but then also they are creating a Catan game that's like Pokemon yeah. Go. Have you seen this? Yeah, they- I saw that it was just announced that they're making some kind of Catan. You, I guess you'll go out and build rivers and little meeple houses around your neighborhood or something. Oh, you go trade some 
wheat for a gym. Uh, yeah, it's called Catan oh, uh, yeah. World Explorers. Uh, and they say, powered by the Niantic real-world platform in partnership with the Catan team and Asmodee, the, t- the new game transforms neighborhoods, towns, and cities across the globe into a giant game of Catan, a classic board game loved by tens of millions of people around the world. It'll enter beta very soon. Uh, so that's another thing. I was like, I'm curious about that. It, looking at screenshots, it does look to be more in that kind of Pokemon Go mold. Uh, but hopefully... This immersive theater production is something mind-bending. Yeah, and, and, look at and it, I'm I mean, very confused. Even if it is kind of in that Pokemon Go mold, like I'm all for people trying to experiment with like interesting game mechanics that still get you out of the house and get you going to different places. Like, yeah. if, like if they have some kind of weird area control or you're building routes or something around your neighborhood, like. That could be cool. I mean, it, it's it's not going to become my favorite game in the world or anything, but I'll take my phone when I go for my next walk and do yeah. weird stuff like that. Oh, great. You know, I, I was literally friend. talking to my friend about this the other day with Niantic and the other games that they're making and have made. And I was, we were really wondering, did Pokemon Go work because it was good or simply because it had Pokemon attached to it? Because I don't know anymore. Well, the good part, I would even argue in some areas, like that game was not good when it launched. Um, No, I mean, as much as I've enjoyed Pokemon Go, I mean, it's it's 70, 30 Pokemon Go versus the gameplay, you know, maybe even 80, 20. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a fun idea. And Pokemon is a powerful IP. Um, And I would love to know because they I saw on their site that they have Wizards Unite like community meetups and they have like a festival for wizards unite i just want to know what that community is like i understand it's a troubling time to be a harry potter fan a lot of them are stressed out overall uh but i would just love to know like what is the state of that because i have not heard a peep about that thing since last year it was um honestly i'm not i'm not cracking on niantic but i had a friend who was really into harry potter and she was like oh yeah you know this is gonna be my jam Mm -hmm. and she was running into a lot of issues that pokemon go had at the beginning just things just issues and i realized i was like you know but pokemon was pokemon people just pushed through and i don't know if the harry potter fandom was big enough in that realm to be able to just push it up through with you know money and support and i think that's what happened people were just like oh no i'm expecting a better product and they didn't get that and they just kind of leviosa the way i'm sorry <laughs> think of a better product. i'm no, sorry no that's i'm sorry, sorry. Uh, sorry. uh <laughs> Hey, Kyle, I don't know if you know about this, but uh, the MinMax community discord is a wonderful, wonderful place. Uh, the Shangri-La of the internet. Um, mm-hmm. And recently, the mods in there who've been doing a wonderful job, uh, they have been helping us create community top 10 lists where they'll be like, hey, does anybody have an idea for this category? People submit entries, they whittle that down, and then the community votes and ranks it. So we kind of, we kind of have like a min-max community hive mind top 10 list here that we didn't make that will be a surprise to us but that the community has pieced together through their collective minds uh and this week the category kyle was cyborgs in video games top 10 cyborgs so hopefully it'll be like smash rules where they have to originate from a video game they had 50 nominations for cyborgs and then they cut the list down to 30 before they started voting okay and uh like i said they as as you assumed they only included characters who originated in video games so no you know x-men darth vader none of that stuff you know Interesting. Get that out of here. okay 
Um, and for this one, they did allow multiple entries from certain franchises just be- because it wasn't, I don't know, we had 3D platformers and we put limitations on it last sure. time, but this time they did not. So, okay. Uh, top 10 cyborgs in video games according to the MinMax community. Number 10, Nathan Rad Spencer from Bionic Commando. Mm. Mm, now I That's wonder. Call. Yeah. So, now, now does it, are you still a cyborg if the mechanical part of your body is your wife, though? Mm. <laughs> well, we don't know that Darth Vader's suit wasn't made from like Padme's skin. I oh, guess so. Yeah, I mean, what else were they doing with that body? I mean, gotta do right? some of that body. <laughs> but yeah, that that is a that is a classic ass cyborg example. Yeah, with hot dogs for arms. Um, number nine, Darth Malak from Kotor. Oh, interesting. Okay, getting the Darth in there. He's got the funky mask. I'm yeah. trying to remember how much they dive into his anatomy and explain what is going on with Malak there. But all right, yeah, cool guy. One of those just like, yeah, he's probably got some robot stuff going on there. <laughs> Seems about right, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, number eight, Gray Fox, Metal Gear Solid. Of course. Okay, yeah. I'm behind that. All right, first that one we can really get excited been, about. That would have been higher for me, but I'm also which, like a big Metal Gear guy. So. Which uh, parts of him are cyborg? Uh, almost everything except everything. his face, and I think his soul He's got a human face. Human. Yeah, I mean, his face is, is human, it, you know, his original face, but everything <laughs> else of him is pretty much, you know, the thing about Metal Gear, they always give him, they always put their blood back in the robot suit, and I'm like, why? Why, why, why do I need blood? Because <laughs> it needs to look cool I'm when good. Rex steps on him, man. It has to have a really big impact <laughs> at the end there. No, okay. I can't do it. Uh, number seven, we got Jax from Mortal Kombat. Sure. Guess, yeah. yeah. Those are robot arms, I guess, right? Is there like mechanics happening? I just always thought he just his arms were made of metal, but I don't understand. I don't know. That doesn't that's, make sense. That exactly. makes no sense whatsoever, Kyle. <laughs> I know it makes even less sense. Like, how would he been able to manipulate his arm and stuff like that? Okay, then we got Rex from Fallout New Vegas at number six. Uh, Seems cool. I, yeah, I, I, agree with I, them, I totally I remember, remember Rex. Okay. <laughs> Uh, here we go. Number five. Rain. Oh, hang on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. Uh, Rex. Oh, I already said it out loud. Uh, uh, Rex is a is a dog, apparently. Oh. It's a cyborg dog <laughs> from Fallout New that Vegas. Counts. So we're expanding beyond humans here. Oh, man. Yeah. Next level. I'm okay with that. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I approve of that. Uh, and then I said, I already said it, but number five, Raiden from Metal Gear Solid. Mm. And we definitely need to switch him in Gray Fox. Personal you know? opinion. I do agree. Ooh. I think I think Cyborg Ninja yeah. is way too low. And Raiden, yeah, he he redeems himself a fair amount, but come on, I mean, he's still he's still Raiden at his core here. At least, you know, Gray Fox is a cool guy at his core, and I don't think Raiden is. Yeah, and that matters. Yeah, I don't want to hang out with Raiden. I don't want to go to his apartment, you know, <laughs> like his cement block apartment or whatever. However, they describe him in the game. One one twist question there though is is this uh, is Raiden a better cyborg though? If we're judging based purely on their cyborgness, not meaning going with no, I'm, I'm going with no. You know, okay. I don't, if Raiden and Gray Fox got in a fight, I would put my money on Raiden. I think he's got fancier moves. Yeah, if we're counting. Like, okay, if that's, cool. okay, if that's the case, I would put Olga in there. Then Olga, I would just right. play Raiden with Olga. Yeah, but is that that's like a suit situation? I don't know if that's part of her body. This is uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Now it's becoming I, a top ten list. Uh-huh, exactly. <laughs> Do your robot part have to be infused into you? Where, where's the official definition of cyborg? Is Iron Man a cyborg? You know, well, I guess he is because his heart's like you know 
yeah made mm. of metal or something but not not because of the suit because the because yeah. of the robot heart there we go uh number four an interesting one commander shepherd from mass effect oh because of the opening of two yeah did they i mean they get remade is it assumed that basically shepherd's like mostly robot after the beginning of mass effect 2 i certainly did not assume that but because they use technology to rebuild her is that well and i mean her eyes start to glow red if you're evil though right yeah yeah so what's going on is that because of the operation I would assume so. I don't, I don't think she's just a normal human being that starts to <laughs> it lose it. It was weird to see it because, like, my that was my first reaction. It's like I thought they like cloned them. It's the mini clones. Like, and she like, is grew, cloned. Grew, regrew the the character somehow. Do I need to watch what? the beginning of Mass Effect Two again? To try to remember. I think it's just because it's awesome. So, are you saying they're a clone and a cyborg? <sighs> I guess right. The cyborg. I'm okay with it on the list, though. I it's it's a weird one, but uh, I mean, they yeah, just call it the reconstruction. Uh, ooh, in an effort undertaken by Cerberus called the Lazarus Project, Shepard is rebuilt and revived organically and synthetically. Oh, okay. He's got the, okay. the hybrid ending. There but, we go. Okay, yeah, so totally belongs here. Uh, Adam Jensen from Deus Ex, number three. Classic. You're a big yep. fan of that character, right, Hanson? You love that him. game. Check out our game club back at Game Reformer for Human Revolution. It's a <laughs> okay. swell time. This is uh, number two is another one that I was like, oh, yeah, I guess so. And it's uh, Big Daddy from Bioshock, which is like, I guess Big Daddies are humans that are like placed in these like mechanized bodies, right? Well, I, aren't they aren't just mechs? And, yeah. Just mechs. Aren't they just suits? I, I thought they suits? were like, I thought a person had to die to become a Big Daddy. Wait, no, aren't they suits powered by plasmids? But there's still a... a a former normal human still is inside that thing, though, I, I thought. But is, is the human know. part of the suit, though? Oh, here we go. They're genetically enhanced human beings who have had their skin and organs grafted into enormous an enormous diving suit. <laughs> yeah. So their skin's so, no, grafted. So there's not a lot of, like, gears and operating systems in there. But Yeah. Like, All right. Weird. Debatable, but sure. We'll I accept it. If you're, if you're grafting organs into some kind of mechanical suit then you've met the definition there you go all right odell you want to guess number one the Uh-oh. number one cyborg in video games okay sure uh hold on uh who have we have not said we're, we're not saying samus samus is not a cyborg okay i don't think right yeah i don't think so that's okay, a, that's cool. an iron man situation there was a debate yeah. i also saw another debate happening and now i'm thinking that that is going to be this number one <laughs> all right you gotta uh, guess okay. odell Excluding Samus, I am going to go with Metal Sonic. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, there's some humanity like in Metal Sonic. Robot, right? Yeah. But no, no, because well, no, he's got you know that he's got the animals. Wait, he's made of uh, animals? <laughs> no, all you know, all the robots in Sonic are powered by animals. You know, he oh, can't, so you know, he saying can't there's just like there could just be like a squirrel in there, just like running on a hamster wheel. Powering yes. Metal Sonic. So okay. if a squirrel powers a robot, then it's a cyborg. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Okay. Why not? Jeffem, you got a guess? Um. No. I All saw. Right. I saw the debate about Blastoise, 
and whether Blastoise counts oh. as a cyborg, <laughs> which is a very interesting debate. And I think the leaning was nay because it's organic to the freak that is the being of Blastoise. <laughs> like, you know, it's not like they're born or they're evolving from War Turtle and then somebody slaps some hydro pumps on them. They grow the hydro pumps. I yeah, guess, so right? that's it's organic I mean, to them. But you can make water cannons that aren't mechanical, so... That's true, too. It's complicated. But what is number one, Kyle? Number one is Barrett Wallace from Final Fantasy oh, VII. Oh, our big boy B. Big boy B, which is a pretty oh, simple man. cyborg, you know? Like, just yeah. an arm cannon. Relatively simple style. cyborg. Yeah, you're right. Uh, you know, you know, is Barrett Samus? I think he is. I think he is. The, uh, I still would love to know how he... Where that ammo comes from, number one. And number two, how he's pulling that trigger. I think about it all the time. Like, what a weird idea. Is it just like him flexing? God. Is it a, a muscle thing? Is it like, you know... So, do you remember... There was like this game that came out called Redneck Rampage. Yeah. <laughs> there was, I remember reading the back of the box... And there was something that said something like they ha- they found an a- like you get get all kinds of guns you get an alien gun that you put on your hand just yank the tendon to fire ew no 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 is what the back of the box said and that phrase has just stuck in my brain my whole life because I'm like what does that mean also that seems really disgusting and painful so I think that's what Barrett is doing yanks a tendon no <laughs> Barrett, but Barrett actually doesn't have an arm. Oh, like crazy. a hand well, to, to, to pull the tendon. Is there a tendon like back here though? Like there's probably a tendon somewhere back here that he can pull, oh. even if he's missing the top half of his arm. Yeah. That'll be fine. Oh, All right. Yeah. That'll I mean, I, I believe that's how actual prosthetic limbs work, at least some of them, where depending on the muscle that you are moving, it can, you know, open and close the hand. So I, I think that would be a reasonable way to yeah. just turn that into a trigger why not yeah. on top of it well thank you community in the minmax discord for taking care of that we appreciate it thanks again to the mods for arranging all that fun stuff uh yeah, jeff um, do you know how this whole thing operates uh lacrox limoncello <laughs> that's right sometimes <laughs> that and sometimes patreon patreon.com minmax two ends that's how we keep this whole indie train a rolling thank you for your support everybody I want to mention that uh we had the first episode of ana diaz's new show called refreshed uh it's a show about online culture it's about highlighting great people art projects on the internet um and so that is up in the patreon exclusive podcast feed and then also on our youtube channel so you can check that out the first episode's all about the rise of k-pop and surprising influence of k-pop on culture it's one of those things where it's like i've never listened to k-pop i don't see myself as connected to it then you start to break it down it's like oh k-pop has had an impact on my life and you know society's language at this point the way a lot of people talk online it's an interesting dissection of everything there so you can check that out it's going to be so the new episodes of refreshed are streamed every other Thursday and then the archive goes up on YouTube and the Patreon exclusive podcast feed the day after that so send Anna some good comments about Refreshed overall also wanted to point out that uh, we're still doing the deepest dive in The Last of Us Part 2 the best most thorough discussion about The Last of Us Part 2 on the internet we just wrapped up the second chunk which goes up through Seattle day three um, and we have two more discussions to go so you can find that on our YouTube channel you can get the podcast version as well if you support us on Patreon so you can check that out um, and then also on Thursday we're going to be streaming Better Quest 
which is uh, our show with Jeff Cork, which is about getting better and the community getting better and we all hold each other accountable. So last month, uh, we set goals for the month of June of we want to get better at these things. A lot of people from the community submitted things like, oh, I want to go on hikes every single day or I want to get better at drawing. I want to get better at skateboarding or I want to teach my kids how to skateboard specifically. Um, And so it's a call-in show. If you're at the $20 tier on Patreon, you can call in and share your update and give yourself a new quest for the following month. Um, And if you failed at your quest, we have to publicly shame you. So it'll be a fun, positive show overall though. So look forward to that. (laughs) It's going to be streaming on uh, Thursday and then the archive will be up on Friday for everybody as well. Um, But hey, it's a new month. So we have new supporters. We have Paul Chris Mantis. He says, The BAM box has been the original mystery subscription box with an authentic celebrity autograph in every single box for five years. And now we're excited to announce that the to the MinMax community, our new gamer box. In this monthly box, you'll receive a collection of items inspired by your favorite gaming franchises along with a guaranteed autograph from established gaming actors or creators. For the first two boxes, we've gone big, guaranteeing an autographed Funko Pop in each box. Box number one is still in pre-order until July 15th with items inspired by God of War 2018, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, Punch-Out, Injustice 2, plus a mystery game. So hurry up and order yours at thebambox.com. We capped the boxes at $2,500 each and they're going fast. Also, we're on Twitter with at the bam box so thanks so thanks to the bam box for supporting us on patreon if you support us at their 400 tier i'll read your plug throughout the month here on the MinMax show uh and beating down brian is still giving out community plugs uh thank you beating down brian and beating down brian wants us to give a plug to whatever odell would like to give a plug to oh well thank you i i i, I feel honored well i will like to plug myself you can find me at <laughs> Aldo Harvard Jr. on Twitter. And you can find Full Circle Podcast at FC Podcast 23. Um, I was not prepared for this. You got so. it. What is Full Circle Podcast? <laughs> Full Circle Podcast is my podcast where I have my industry friends and guests that I've met at some point. I bring them on and we go full circle. Hence the name. What does that mean? Well, the, the same full circle is like, you know, if I made a joke at the beginning of the show about, you know, Sonic, and then I somehow said Sonic right now, we brought it full circle. So you, you, you don't know, you don't know the idiom full circle. I know the phrase full circle. I just don't oh. know what that means practically for a podcast. Does it mean <laughs> if you joke about Sonic at the beginning of the podcast, you can't end the podcast until you joke about Sonic? No, I, no it's full circle with the people I've met in the video game industry. Like, I, I met see. them at some point. I see. And then, you know, they're on the, yeah. yeah. Okay. There we go. So thanks to beating down Brian for giving a plug to the Full Circle pod- <laughs> Podcast with Odell. Uh, also thanks to I Am 8-Bit for their support of MinMax overall and for the community for going to the I Am 8-Bit online store and using the promo code MinMax to get 10% off. They just gave us some feedback that a lot of folks have been doing that. So thank you so much. I think if you go to the I Am 8-Bit store online, you will find some very cool stuff. Vinyl soundtracks, uh, inside collector's editions, a lot of fun stuff like that, including uh, a new vinyl soundtrack for Outer Wilds. Uh, a lot of people's favorite game from last year. And so they have a new vinyl soundtrack with music by Andrew Prowlow, Adam, uh, album art by Ian Jacobson, and it's Master for Vinyl by Townsend Mastering. It looks beautiful. comes in a cloth-wrapped tip-on gatefold jacket. So check that out and show them some support because they support Max in a big bad way by shipping stuff like in this box that we can give away to our favorite question every week on the MinMax show. So this week... We're going to read through all these comments and questions that have been submitted on Patreon, and then we're going to choose our absolute favorite and ship them out 
this Res Infinite soundtrack from Ooh. I'm 8-Bit. Um, look how amazing this thing is. It's at least 300 pounds. It's pretty. It uh, is beyond deluxe. So thanks to I'm 8-Bit for shipping out these amazing things. We have a whole month's worth of stuff to give away as well. All right, y'all ready for community questions? Let's do it. Ready. Great. Cody Umbargar says, with both the Xbox Series X and the PlayStation 5 releasing holiday 2020, which system do you think we'll be seeing on our shelves first? Very simple question. Oh, okay. PS5, final answer. I think Xbox Series X, final answer. I think I'm going to go Xbox. I mean, I think it's only going to be a gap of about a week, maybe two weeks, but I think Xbox. We're not talking about our personal shelves, right? We're talking no. hitting shelves, right? Shelves. Yes. PS5, final answer. Uh, I, I guess I'll have to go with Xbox, too. I, I, <laughs> I, just saw, <laughs> I just saw a you know a supposed rumor that they had initially wanted to release it in August and that that got pushed back. Oh, really? And there was that Thanksgiving yep. rumor a while ago that somebody posted on social media and then Xbox took it down quickly. So who knows if that was just misinformed. But yeah, for some reason, I just feel more confident in xbox manufacturing and their ability to hit a date and really be aggressive this generation and they'll want to get out first um i think that worked out pretty well for them the 360 generation so even you guys remember weeks who was was it ps4 or xbox one that was first i don't know so it's xbox one was november 22nd because that i'm curious about that too let's see playstation 4 was november 15th Oh, so PS4 was first. It was. It was. All right. Mm. All right we'll see. There's some, there's some evidence for you, Odell. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> Dakota Salmeron says, Hello, everyone. Hope all is well. Considering the PlayStation 5 controller will come with a built-in mic, what odd or unconventional ways are you guys expecting it to be implemented? Will games just continue to judge us for cursing, or perhaps it could be a unique tool for some crazy Easter eggs? Or am I kidding myself, and it'll just be used to make a million suggestions in online store? Oh man, I hope I get to blow out a candle. That's all I want to do. Ooh, yeah. So I've never done that with a mic. <laughs> or just, yeah, let's take all the worst implementations from the DS uh, and just carry it right over to the it's PlayStation. It's all blowing 5. out candles. That's all I want. You know, I just need one game. Off. I need one game one time for like something to happen story wise. I'm like, that's bull crap. And it's like, Oh, you think so? You want to try? I'm like, oh, oh, crap. Fourth wall break. I'm done. I just want to go. So acknowledges when you're screaming and swearing at the game? So you're saying that yeah. has happened or you no, want it to No, it hasn't. I want oh, it to happen. Okay. But, that's what I was about to say because that's something that I've totally, I thought the DS, I guess you have to have like voice recognition to like be able to do that. But yeah, I would love for a game to respond to just me using a profanity or something like that for sure. And I think at launch, the only place we're really probably going to get it is that, uh, you know, Astro's Playroom packing yeah. platformer yeah. thing that's going to be focused on highlighting the controller. And so we'll probably get to see the range of that thing. There'll probably be some area where you can like talk to the little Astro bots or something like that, right? There was a I, mobile game that was popular for like a week or two that where you would scream at it and it was a platformer. It was like an endless runner. And the, the longer you shouted, the longer you held a jump. So like you would play it, you'd be like, ah, ah, ah. So I want to see that on, on PlayStation okay. 5. That all yeah, sounds that great. Sounds fun. Uh, Leroy M. Hare says, Hello, MinMax2Ns. Hello, Leroy. Uh, looking forward to the new generation. I'm curious how storytelling has changed with each successive generation. 
For example, in the seventh generation Xbox 360, PS3, Mass Effect seemed to completely revolutionize how stories were being told, with The Last of Us 2 doing the same with the outgoing eighth generation. Bold claim. What can we look forward to in the ninth generation of video games? How is the coming technology going to change the way we interact with stories being told? It's a good question. I mean, animation's just going to get better and better, which I think is like a simple thing that's just going to make performance capture better and storytelling better you know well as we know final fantasy spirits within revolutionary tech revolutionary story that's that's right <laughs> revolutionary short tech i mean I, you could look at something like the order 1886 though kyle it's like amazing fidelity but uh, not exactly one of the strongest stories of the generation oh. by the way did you know there's a show on netflix right now called the order that is about like werewolves and stuff I can't oh <laughs> yeah it had some big name was it charlie's throne in it or something I don't know. I just, I just remember. I saw it was on Netflix. It's like a modern day thing, but it's like a, a similar plot to the Order of the Game. It looks like, and it's called the Order. I'm yeah, like, oh, that's okay. So Wait, is it related to the game in any way, or the source material? I don't think so. Uh, I mean, weird. I would be, I would be blown away if that was a big twist, and it was like this is the sequel to the Order eighteen eighty six. But uh, with storytelling in general. I mean, I'm curious to see where Last of Us goes, if it's as revolutionary as uh, they seem to think it is here in the comments from Lorray. Um, but, Jeff, do you have any hopes for next gen? Uh, I, I hope storytelling just continues to get more organic in terms of having conversations that you can guide, you know? So, um, so but- the combination of Mass Effect choices with some of the humanity and natural delivery of Naughty Dogs games. Yeah. Yeah. And, and maybe also just more organic than the mass effect mold of here are four things. We're going to wait for you to pick one. And then, you know, I'm going to read that piece of dialogue or something. Yeah. I I don't know how I I don't, maybe, maybe you'll just be using that microphone and you'll just talk right into it. Oh, that sounds perfect. And you'll just talk to another person also playing that game. Then that's the story. Like they just randomly pull from one person's microphone, whether they know it or not. And that's like the sound of an NPC in the world. Yeah. Oh, apparently this person barks like a dog. (laughs) Just nonstop. This person sounds like a hip hop radio station. This person won't (laughs) stop vacuuming. (laughs) Uh, oh, all the NPCs in uh, Watchdog Legion is going to be actually our voices. Yep, you got it, man. It's right. the ultimate <laughs> hack. Think about it. Uh, Dunder asks, uh, now that we have reached the month of July, the Xbox First Party Showcase event is only a short time away and will heavily feature Halo Infinite. Very little info has been revealed about the game so far, other than the recent tease of the Banished being featured as the likely enemy faction. Side note, the Banished equals Covenant 2.0, by the way, just led by the smart brutes. So take that, Kyle. Um, it also Thank sounds you. like many of the Minimax crew were once big Halo fans and have fallen off the bandwagon over the years. My question is, what do you want from Halo Infinite? A traditional 10 to 12 hour campaign, game as a service, open world with light RPG elements, God of War one shot storytelling. What will reinvigorate your interest in the Halo franchise? Um, they said it was a soft reboot, right? That is, that is true. I don't Halo know. Infinite. I don't. I I lost uh, track of how much they've messaged. I've certainly gotten that impression, but I don't know if they've yeah. said it. I certainly okay, assume well, that. Yeah. If it if it is a true soft reboot, that's what I want. I want to just complete reboot because I feel like the Halo universe has gotten way too convoluted for its own good. So hitting the reset button and just kind of starting off, aliens bad. We're shooting them. 
And, you know, a good story, that's, that's all I really want. Good story, yeah. Alien's bad. I mean, focusing on a new ring, I think will be interesting. I think it's probably a good opportunity for them to kind of focus things down to just like the challenges happening in this one specific location instead of this galaxy-wide quest for domination or anything more complex than that. I mean, the thing that I always remember about playing Halo 1 for the first time was like coming down to the planet and stepping out of that ship and just being like, oh my God, this place is huge, you know? Yeah. And like, so it's that, that sense of scope that I hope that they can do again in some way, which I guess maybe is open world. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't have an answer, but I want that feeling again. I mean, yes, yeah. again. I'm totally with you. I think it's more open overall. I'll, I'll take open world, open ring, uh, and just more exploring natural environments and a sense of discovery, I think, as I'm wandering yeah. around. Yeah, yeah I'd, I'd like got smaller and smaller as time went on. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see something like that too, open world. And I would be interested if, at least for like the multiplayer aspect, I it would be totally out of the box, but I would like them to do something like the planet side games where it's like, a massive war with a ton of actual human players. Oh wow! You know, except instead of instead of like a giant battle royale multiplayer, it could just be against you know the Covenant or something. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, Brandon, so PVE. Yeah. There we go. A giant ass PVE game. Brandon Sylvia says uh, from Easygoing Gaming, by the way, says, "What's going on, guys? I got a quick question." If you could give any superhero license to the developer of your choice, what superhero game would you have made and what dev team would make it? Tall order here, Brandon. The big matchup. You know, I still think of Spider-Man with Insomniac sometimes, and I'm still like, occasionally I'll be like, I can't believe Sucker Punch didn't make that game. Right. Like, right. it just seemed like such a sure thing. <laughs> you know, like, we're all like, oh, yeah, of course Sucker Punch will make a Spider Man game. And then I was like, yeah. oh, Insomniac? Oh, okay. And that game turned out great, but it's just that weird thing that I'm like, why didn't. Did they ask Sucker Punch and they declined or they just it never. I don't know. Yeah, yeah I know, that's a good question. Does anybody have a pick? Uh, I just watched Watchmen, so I would like to see someone make a, an open world Watchmen game. Boy, are you in luck. There are some games on Steam. That time with I, the last film that are right up your alley, buddy. Yeah, but good ones? Boy, are those games on Steam, and we can play them together. <laughs> this will be great. <laughs> Did you like that show, Jeff? I thought it was great. It was it was the greatest piece of art ever made. <laughs> we voted Whatever it the, we the greatest it. work of art from 2019, yeah. Um, without spoiling anything, like what stood out to you about the show that you didn't expect? Um, It was... Just really great storytelling with really great character performances from people who I wouldn't expect to be in a comic book, you know, a superhero characters, basically. And, and I also really like how they took the original concept and made something that was relevant today, but still completely tied in with the threads from like, oh, I can see how things have changed over the past 30 years based on what things were like in the original comic book Yeah, while telling a completely new story, which was super cool. I actually went back and uh, reread the graphic novel just last month, went through it again, and then started rewatching the show as well. I'm like, it's just, it's such an oversimplification, but it's amazing what a confident tone that book has and then also what a confident just vibe and tone the show has and 
how they can be different, but still interconnected. Like just mm-hmm. reading that book again, it's just like, okay, I just, you soak into that world so quickly. And it's really fascinating because uh, I had my girlfriend read the book as well, and she's never read like a comic book in her life. And so it was a little bit of that scary thing of, okay, well, this is a complicated one that's also a commentary on the nature of the evolution of comic books throughout the last mm-hmm. uh, 70 years, but please enjoy. Um, but it, she still enjoyed it as well. And also then with the show, it was like, hooked immediately which is a really good sign um unfortunately i spoiled some things for her back when the show originally aired because i didn't ever think that she would watch it so i was like talking about certain revelations and stuff because i won't shut up um were things still <laughs> surprising for you jeff or did you have a rough idea of where yeah no i i hadn't heard any any kind of spoilers or anything for it so oh, good oh good and and i guess that's that's the other big thing that i should have mentioned is just that those first few episodes are just unintelligible in terms of the mystery that they are setting up and yeah. and also and also the world building of just like what the hell is happening in this world but it's just also interesting and you just piece it together layer by layer as it goes it that- helps rewatching it to be like oh they really are seeding things so early on but just yeah. yes so op- opening in Tulsa with the massacre and then jumping ahead and it's just a weird thing of just like what is society now? Mm-hmm. Okay, so the black cops pulling the white guy over and then he's intimidated. Like, okay, and then it's Oklahoma, but it's an all-black cast. Like, what is happening in society with race relations? Then you realize, like, oh, it's pretty close to where we're at now. It's just happened to start on these kind of outlier notes that make your mind just bend about, like, what is society in mm-hmm. Watchmen in 2019? And it turns out yeah. it's just you just gotta turn on your windshield wipers every once in a while, and that's that's really the main difference here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, so make that a video game um, <laughs> developed by uh, whoever is good at open world video. Whoever is good at open world video games, <laughs> Rockstar, ladies and gentlemen. Rockstar Watchmen game. Okay, <laughs> yeah. perfect. Um, let's see. We have James Smith. He says, hey, Handy Hansen and the Builder Bunch. Uh, hello. Here's a question in the theme of getting better. What was the best decision you ever made? I'm going to start this off, and I'm going to say packing up my car, driving Minneapolis, doing my internship with Game Informer. Really? Bartending on weekends. Yeah, because I, I, I can honestly look back and say if I never did that, then... My trips to E3, TGS, Gamescom, all my game work I do now, my drive probably never would have happened without without that one decision. Was it a scary move overall? Oh no, most definitely because I literally just graduated college. Um, I got offered like a job, like at the Kroger manager program, something or other. It wasn't you know it was, it was money, and, you know to make a decision where I'm gonna go somewhere I've never been during winter where I've never experienced not get paid to not get a job is, you know, it was like terrifying for me at the time. It was just like, what, what am I doing? I literally remember making a 23 hour drive or what have you and thinking like, what do I do when this is over? And yeah. then I remember being over and coming back and being like, what the hell do I do with my life now? But I do not regret it. Like I would do it all over again in a heartbeat. Oh, wow. And you were bartending on the weekends? Yeah, if you, I don't know if you remember, I didn't work Friday because uh, I had to pay rent. So uh, on Fridays, I would go to Ruby Tuesdays, and I bartended Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then I came back to the internship. Oh, Monday. my God. That is intense. Uh, you said you went to TGS? What year did you go to TGS? 
Uh, last year actually, I saw. Oh no no, twenty eighteen. Okay. No 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 no, it was last year. It was twenty nineteen because I went to Gamescom the year before that. Uh, I saw Kim, and I saw uh, who else was there? Kim and maybe Joe. Yeah, Joe. Yeah, it was Joe. Kim and Joe was there. Yeah, so I was at TGS last year. Oh, that's nice. So that was fun. Uh, what was the highlight of TGS? Uh, the highlight of TGS for me was I played this game, something mochi. It was a girl made out of mochi. And uh, she she went around, she swung around like Spider-Man. And she did all these cool things. And it was based off this 1991 Japan-only Famicom game that the creator just loved. That, like, when I was, then when I looked up the video, I was just like, oh, my God. Like, Japan just made the craziest, wonkiest games ever. <laughs> and like the best way possible yeah and then oh and i guess the other best thing about tgs was i remember they had a premiere for cyberpunk 2077 and it was like the first time i'm going to show this live demo and it was like 40 minutes long and stuff and i was like oh man it's gonna be so great i'm gonna be in japanese nah, it's still be in english it, it was in japanese with no subtitles oh wow <laughs> <laughs> but it kind of helps that world like i think it'd be really cool to see that cyberpunk demo just in japanese it's just uh, kind of futuristic Tokyo vibe to the game overall anyway. Yeah. So that was a, so that, that was my best decision. Yeah. Follow your dreams. Follow your dreams. Jeff, do you have a best decision? Uh, it's sappy. Oh, just marry my go. wife. <laughs> yeah. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> Why was it the best decision? Uh, because she's great. I mean, she's she's the most loving and supportive person that I could have ever asked for. And having someone like that who you can just completely be yourself with. Like, I, li- I lived by myself for a very long time, and I yeah. always enjoyed that freedom to just be whoever I wanted and be able to do whatever I wanted all the time. And being able to do that but have someone who also just genuinely loves me for being that person mm-hmm. is, you know, like the best support and you know self-esteem booster that anyone could ask for and this is why you're renewing your vows live on the minmax show podcast bring her on in here hey for the audio listeners uh they're kissing passionately uh uh, kyle did you have a last of us cutscene it's insane god do you have a thought on this kyle uh yeah i mean i i i I will issue the same answer as jeffum in the sense marrying my wife marrying your son of a when did you do that kyle uh, this is how I'm revealing. My it. world is falling apart. <laughs> but uh, just like a like a one thing I remember, uh, we hadn't been we weren't married yet, but we were together, we we're living together. And my wife sat me down and she was like, "What are you doing in college exactly?" And I was like, "Well, I'm getting a business major." And she's like, "But you don't care about business." <laughs> and I was like, "Wait a second, yeah, you're right." And like she sat down with me and like walked me through the process of like changing my major to like a more writing communications focused thing. So like I credit her with with that you know what i mean like that was an important thing like being with her and her like pushing me in that direction was very important but to have a different answer than jeffum but one that is actually similar to odell's Uh professionally i sort of kind of randomly decided to pursue an internship during college like i don't i was fine on the track i was going with i was going to graduate and stuff like no problem but i was like you know what I, i feel like i should get an internship and i remember going to like this meeting that a teacher was holding about how to get internships and it got me to like try and get an internship at a local arts newspaper which i got and like that set me up in a big way professionally i was like "Ooh, i really like being in an editorial office i 
have learned that reaching out to try to ask for things like an internship can result in good things. You shouldn't be scared to reach out about that sort of stuff. And like, it gave me bylines that helped me continue to like write about games and stuff like that. So similar to Odell, like professionally, I point to that internship as being a really important starting line for me. Like I always tell people like, if you, if you can track down an internship in college, like try to get it if you can, you know, mm. cause it's about making connections and that kind of thing. Yeah. So that's smart overall. I think my pick would probably be marrying Jeffem's wife. I think it's worked out pretty well. Pretty good. Um, no, it's uh, it's it's a simple one. It's like okay, you could say min max, probably too early, but things are good so far of deciding to to start this whole thing. Um, but it was I had an internship at a TV station, and you know I graduated college in two thousand nine, so the economy was not looking great uh, at that point, and uh, had an internship, and just as I was graduating college, then. Uh, a producer at the TV station left and they were like, Hey, if you want to move up, it'd be an easy way to stay at the station. And like the station was fine. But for some reason I thought that with some hoity toity, you know, comparative literature major that I was going to be able to find a better job. And I remember talking to my dad about it. And he's like, you idiot, take the full-time job immediately out of college. And I was like, yeah, I guess so. And so I kind of was hesitant about it. And it's like, of course that was the right call. I can't believe I was even considering trying to do something else. I probably would have ended up in Abu Dhabi selling crates. I don't know. It's just kind of been a completely different life. Jeff, I should have mentioned my dream in life used to be to move to Abu Dhabi and sell crates. <laughs> oh, okay. So, so that was a big miss. That was a big miss for me overall, yeah. Uh, Grizzled Gaming writes a comment. He says, hello, MinMaxers. It's no secret that the MinMax Discord is like a little slice of heaven on the internet. Oh, I'll be damned. But it's also true that for some people jumping into an already established community, it can be a little bit intimidating. If you've been on the fence about engaging with the community, there's another way to get your feet wet without diving headfirst into the Discord. In addition to the Discord, there's also a MinMax PlayStation community a minmax xbox club and a minmax steam community all filled with great people who love to play games just search minmax to ends of course on any of those platforms we'd love to have you join us thank you grizzled gaming for submitting a plug for these things that, that seems nice i always figured out yeah, that i'm my so answer focused to that question is <laughs> is that yes the patreon yes. discord is cool and also these other clubs so find some similar folks out there uh, Chris Logan says, hello, CLCs. I have an internal game related struggle and I'm wondering if anyone else faces the same issue. I love this era of remakes and remasters because it gives people a chance to discover old games or re-experience them with a fresh point coat of paint. For this reason, I find myself hesitant to revisit the classics. I would love to replay Dead Space, but surely an updated version is inevitable, right? The Metroid Prime series is a favorite of mine, but the Switch version is all but official. Should I just wait to play it? Anyone else share these feelings? Am I crazy? Should I play these games on the original consoles if I'm feeling the itch, or is it worth holding out on? It's a case-by-case thing here, Chris. That's a tough yeah. call. It, it is It is weirdly tough, though, because I run into that, too. Like, I played Metroid Prime for the first time recently, and in what? my mind, I'm like, what was that? What? Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd never beaten it, and I <laughs> beat it for the first time recently. And my after finishing it, I was like, all right, well, Metroid Prime 2. Well, I think I just got to wait for that rumored switch version right. you know like i i went back and went through the process of doing metroid prime one I'll, I'll hold off on two and it's like i don't know if that's the right call maybe it'll never come out who knows it seems like those rumors are so strong it seems like yeah. that one you should wait for maybe dead space probably safe to play i think those are probably going to age pretty well overall anyway they're also on sale right now on xbox one oh like you can buy the 360 versions for like five dollars each well, there that's we go. That's three. tough not to jump into. But, you know, yeah. I was holding out on Chrono Trigger for a long time 
because I'm like, oh, maybe it'll come to Switch, and it's going to be so sweet to play it there. I'm so glad that I stopped waiting. We did the Game Club uh, Deepest Dive on Chrono Trigger, and you know, the Steam version is great at this point, and it's cheap. Just jump into that stuff. So case-by-case case basis, Chris. So uh, no to Metroid Prime, but yes to jumping into Dead Space on the original system or the Xbox version here. Uh, Victor Fam says, what were the high, highest-rated games on Metacritic each year between 2010 and 2020? The answers may surprise you. Does anybody want to guess 2010's highest Metacritic score? Limbo. Is that, did Mario Galaxy come out that year? Or no, was that 08? Hang on. Warm, warm, warm. Oh, is it Red Dead Redemption? <laughs> no, it's, it's Mario Galaxy 2. Uh, oh, is that a dang. 97 for 2010? Uh, 2011. What do you think is the I'm highest? I'm going to give rating? myself that point, though. I'm going to give myself All right, that that's point. fair. Let's see, um, this game this game got such good reviews they had a game of the year edition where they really let you know about all the game's reviews in the most obnoxious way possible oh Skyrim nope more obnoxious uh, for the game of the year box uh, can we get a genre <laughs> uh, open world for the first time Grand Theft oh first time oh um, so Portal 2 was my 2011. Uh-huh. That's my personal highest rated Metacritic game. I bet this is your number two for 2011, Kyle. And it's not Red Dead uh, Redemption. Nope, that's 2010. Uh, when did Skyward Sword come out? There's, I mean, not Skyward Sword, uh, Breath of the Wild. That's 2017. No, well, that's no, that's no. six this years away. Skyward Sword is that year, uh, 2011. Yeah. Uh, um, there is a section of this game, multiple, where you play as not the titular character that I don't think people really talk about too much. It's a certain cat-like woman. Oh, Batman. Oh, Arkham, yeah. City. Arkham City. There we go. It's oh, at a 96 okay. on Metacritic. Uh, 2012's highest Metacritic review is a 93. This is on the Vita. Vita? What? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Hotline Miami. No. Wait, was it only on the Vita? Or it just happened to It was only on, on the Vita. Vita up until two weeks ago when it was released on Steam. Oh, oh Persona 4 Golden. Persona 4 Golden. There we go. There we go. Yeah. All right. Okay. Now we're getting into a real run here. 2013. The highest reviewed game in 2013, according to Metacritic. What was uh, the score? Shadow of Mordor. It's a 97. <laughs> no, that's 2014, Kyle. <laughs> Dang it. Uh, 2013, it's a 97. This is the year that The Last of Us came out, but it is not The Last of Us. It is by far the best-selling game of... 2013 GTA 5 GTA 5 2014 also with a 97 what do you think is the highest metacritic score of Dragon Age nope here's a is hint it's a remaster Last of Us no interesting choice though did that come out 2014 god probably around there yeah wait it's a remaster it's 2014 yeah wait was it GTA again it is GTA 5 <laughs> again. <laughs> nice. 2015's <laughs> highest score on Metacritic with a 96 is It's a last It's a PC port. A PC port? Yes. GTA 5. GTA 5, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> that was okay. I, GTA 5 came out in 2015 on PC? Yeah. Yeah. Wow, I thought it was later. Oh, okay. Uh, 2016, with a score of 93. We just talked about this game last week when we were rounding up fourth entries in series. 
Uncharted 4? There we go. Uncharted 4. Uh, hey. 2017. Odell. Oh, uh, uh, Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild with a 97. Uh, Jeffum, you'll get the first part of this answer right. Uh, 2018's highest scored game. Red Dead 2. Red Dead 2! <laughs> so what's the first part? Oh, I guess I only played the first part of it, I guess. Uh, ooh. Ooh, what a stinker. Okay, 2019's highest Metacritic score. Uh, here's a hint. It's at 93. It is called the Definitive Edition. And it's the second entry in a franchise that Kyle, you will never play. Jeffum referenced earlier in Divinity. this podcast. Yes, Divinity Original Sin 2. Way to go. Wait, really? Yeah. And does anybody, have, does anybody have a guess for uh, 2020's highest score so far? So far? Is it, it's got to be Last of Us, right? You'd think so. But Final no. Fantasy. No. This is a 95. Really? Um, the previous entry in the series won the award in 2012. Uh, that was like three minutes ago. Who can? Uh-huh. <laughs> that. Persona Five Royal. Oh, oh, Royal. Okay. Yeah, ninety-five. Series. It's crazy. Thank you so much. Uh, good fun trivia, Victor Fam. Um, R.J. Valdez asks, "What is your weekly stress about normally? The show, news, girls or guys, family, etc. What's your weekly stress about?" Usually news for me. It's news. Hmm. Yeah, I guess it's how you define stress, I think. But uh, with better quests, like my goal throughout June has been meditating. So I've been meditating almost every day. And it's a good way to track, like, what is popping into my mind as mm. a worry or just a recurring thought. And it's always work stuff. It's always like, oh, I got to remember to take this note later. Oh, I got to remember to tweet this out. Oh, I've got to remember to use this image for this thumbnail. It's just always those little detail things. But I don't know if that counts as stress as much as just the invading thoughts when you're trying to focus your mind. No, a little bit. Uh, that's stress. Okay, then yes, it's that stress. Yeah, um, I don't know. I'm always I'm worrying about my kid a lot lately because the pandemic, and like, I don't know what her future looks like. I don't know what school looks like this year. I she can't really hang out with friends so that I worry about her a lot. Yeah. So that's where my stress is coming from lately. Are you to a point where she can like run around in the backyard with friends? Yeah. She plays with the neighbor. Okay. Uh, pretty frequently. And she has a lot of like, she voice chats and she's plays games with friends online, but I still like, I don't know. It, that's just the stress for me. It's mm-hmm. like what, what, and that, and that could want to have that like, human interaction. Yeah, it's also, I mean, but it's also like a larger thing. It's like, what is the, what does the future look like right mm-hmm. now? You know what I mean? Like, and like my wife and I are having to talk about what school is going to be for her. And st- so that's, that's my main stress right now. Do you think if you never had your daughter, you would be equally stressed out about another topic? Um, I, you know, I don't know. Cause I was, I'm not a super anxious, worrying person generally. But I think I, ever since I had a kid, I think that changed. I think I've become more worrisome and anxious about her, just in general. Mm. You know what I mean? So okay. I don't know. That's a good question. So you'd be living it up. Having a kid makes you care more about everything. Like, I, and that's not a joke answer, you know? Yeah. That seems tricky. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, Odell, now that you're out of recovery? <laughs> um, well, 
my stress it revolves around anyone out there, you know, with a goal and dream. I'm an adult. I'm 29 years old, so I have to like work and like mortgage and bills and you know save money for the future. But also, you know, I want to break into you know the video game industry. So there's a lot of pressure to me to like you know make sure I'm writing, being creative, doing all these things at a high professional level so you know I can inevitably make it but also I have to counteract that with you know like I said my bill paying and things and even more so now because you know of recent things in America and the Black Lives Matter movement and the stuff for you know the highlight black voices I feel even more stressed to capitalize to be like oh crap since you know I have a platform opportunity I need to be doing all these crazy things but also because I was just sick and I feel like you know the world stopped and I missed almost three weeks of everything happening and then I gotta figure out stuff with my job you know when I go back am I getting paid and all this stuff and it's just like woof you know so I have the stress of trying to make in the industry and then the stress of quote-unquote real-world adult things and that's pretty much been my 2020 in a nutshell yeah but I'm still here you know keeping myself up what's your definition of crazy things uh my definition of crazy things is just trying to uh, just work life balance, but it's kind of like work, work balance, the work balance of video games in a professional sense. And then the work balance of what pays me money to pay my bills and my mortgage and everything else. And then, Oh, the crazy things in the world. Oh, I meant uh, like, you know, the, the shootings of unarmed black men and things of that weighing on my brain, but also trying to, you know, stay positive and chipper and create art has oh. been a very big challenge in 2020. Oh, yeah, but you, you just mentioned like you had these opportunities and you felt pressure to do crazy things. Oh, 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 okay. Uh, yeah, so well, I, um, crazy things like when I went to Game Informer, for example, like before this, you know, like when I was on Kinda Funny, I had to like take off two days from work, fly mm. to San Francisco, be on there, fly back. And uh, crazy things financially for me is more specifically like going to TGS and Gamescom and those things because... I fund about 80% of those trips. So. Oh my gosh. That's intense. Well, yeah. hey man, Odell, you're doing a great job staying chipper. <laughs> you're like the most positive person I know. Dude. Yeah, you should try frowning once. Just try it. You might like it. <laughs> it's going to look weird. Yeah, I guess that's right, right. Hold, See, hold, hold on. <laughs> I don't think his lips even touched. For the just, audio listener, we just witnessed something horrific and strange. I don't know. It looked, it looked like Wario trying to put the shirt over his belly button in WarioWare, and it just wouldn't quite go down. Uh, Fizz writes in and says, I've been a MinMax listener since day one, and I'm honored to be part of the Patreon. Thank you. Um, I have a question. I'm pretty sure most of us have video game-related music playing in our heads throughout the day, but what sound effects or musical cues from video games do you have in your head? Two examples from my life. Whenever I'm looking for something in a snack cupboard or grocery store aisle, I will hum or play in my head the beginning of the Zelda chest opening music until I find what I'm looking for, at which point I will triumphantly hit that item catch effect. In college, after every completed paper, uh... I tried. I did a huge stretch and had the Final Fantasy VII victory fanfare in my head. As were completed in class finals, just a lot quieter. Oh, interesting. Just wondering how else this hobby of ours has invaded our everyday lives. It's a good question. Yeah. I always have the um, the Super Nintendo Tetris. I guess it's just default. Maybe I guess Tetris sound of the. Mm-hmm. I 
I say that out loud all the, every time something just goes well or if somebody falls out of their chair just it works in all situations it's that stupid wee, wee, wee. Yeah. it's just ingrained in my brain yeah that one and it it's cheating because it's music but whenever i am packing stuff i the tetris song comes into my head as well just because it, it is that very like i'm gonna put these boxes perfectly yeah, yeah. i'm it to myself yeah uh my name is dan says it's maybe the third or fourth time I've said this to you guys, but please play the board game Mysterium. The game, they actually made it into a PC game and it functions just the same. I'll even teach you the rules, so get mad at me. Uh, <laughs> Jeff, do you know Mysterium? I've, I haven't played it, but yes, I'm, I'm aware of it. Okay, yeah. you're, you're letting down My Name is Dan every day that you're not playing Mysterium. Okay. Okay, great. Uh, Austin Stock, do you all know that name? I don't think so. Well, get ready for this. Uh, Hero Danny says, a couple months ago, we created a Seinfeld horror game that you guys played during a stream, and I significantly updated it with a story mode since then. We're even adding a VR version when it come, becomes available in Dreams later this month. Because of the Ooh. amazing support we received from Dreams, we're able to get a little Kickstarter going to bring the Sinfeld Chronicles to Unreal Engine next year. I just wanted to bring up the idea of using Dreams as a way to quickly mock up playable concepts to get it into players' hands faster. Also, with Unreal Engine 5 saying they're democratizing game development to make it easier for people to get into the industry, I think the standard for games will only go higher as everything becomes easier. If I could make a Bioshock Seinfeld game in sweatpants in a month or two, imagine what a professional could do with similar tools. Have you guys thought about this before, and what would be the ideal interface that would make game development fun for you to use? Anyways, I have a Kickstarter video with about Seinfeld, sorry, Sinfeld Chronicles um, that features you guys along with Easy Allies. Uh, they have like a pitch video and they take clips of us reacting to, to playing that game on our YouTube channel, which is very fun. Um, I love that idea. And I know that from visiting Media Molecule that they were hoping that other game developers would use Dreams as a way to mock up ideas before bringing it to something mm -hmm. else. And it'd be awesome if you could export these games from dreams and sell them on the store. I know that's what media molecule was hoping to do in the future. So eventually maybe we can get to that point, but Hey, I'm curious to see, uh, the stock brothers attempt to bring Seinfeld to unreal engine and hopefully they can keep dodging evil castle rock. Who's the, I don't know who's actually the production. Company I can't that remember who that was. Yeah. But that, that is an interesting question. I have for years been kind of tracking those, you know, there, there has become more and more, game software engines that kind of cut out the actual coding and do it with different kinds of visual languages and stuff. And, you know, there were only like one or two, you know, five years ago or whatever, and they have continued to get bigger and better. And I guess mm. dreams is, is now the best version of that. But I really hope that, you know, either unreal or unity, one of those major engines I, I assume they will start focusing more and more on that at some point because that just allows more people to make stuff that they can then sell and that although the Unreal Engine is like you, Unreal doesn't even take a cut until you make like a million dollars now yeah. at this point or something but I guess just having that market share of so many things being made in your engine is a big boon for them too so yeah. I, I hope I hope that's where that kind of engine development goes in the future I hope so as well uh, Evan Rayford asks us a simple question. What's your favorite classic level theme? Beach, volcano, swamp, ruins, minecart, snow. What do you go for? What's the best theme for a level? Classic, right? Jungle? 
Yeah, classic. We're going for a yeah. minecart. Minecart. You just love any minecart themed level in a game. I mean, as long as it's Donkey Kong Country, then yeah. <laughs> as long as it's one specific game it's, it's funny that you said it because like when i in my head when i said jungle i was thinking of like those early donkey kong country right levels. right you know, i was like that's i'm like i like coming up on a platformer level and being like oh i'm in the, i'm in the jungle you know i like, like desert i'm like yeah it's right dry. i always just like the starting area i like good green open fields if we have to have trees around i prefer like some good evergreen trees in the background that's that's my perfect vibe that's where I want to live, Jeff. I'm. You know, uh, I always found the beach to be weird. Uh, I remember in like the Sonic DS game, Sonic Rush, the first level was on a beach, and but it had like people and stuff, and then it made me really think about beach levels. And I'm just like, what's going on with these people? They're just like enjoying their day, and then like some animal creatures like blowing past, <laughs> like beating stuff up. It seems like a weird place for that to happen. You get all that sand blown on you. Oh, what a mess! What a mess! Uh, Taylor Owens. Submits a comment to the Patreon. He says, The journal discourse around The Last of Us Part 2 really sucks. Everywhere I go on social media, there are people on both sides of the debate, including respected figures in the industry, just being jerks to each other. I blame it a lot on Twitter. It's a lack of context and nuance, and it makes it a terrible place to have a complex discussion about a subjective experience. You should check out The Deepest Dive. Things are pretty cool over there. Um, But Taylor wants to know, how can the industry be better (laughs) surrounding talking about games? Because it is horrific out there uh in the in the comment sections i saw even neil Druckmann like retweeted some hateful tweet that he got but i mean i cannot imagine the amount of crap that that team is taking for trying to be bold with this game that they made it's just mind-boggling and we always saw glimpses of that back at game informer when you would tag a developer in a tweet and just when you see the amount of crap that the average developer takes on twitter it's just mind-boggling. You know, a good example is I remember tweeting about Mortal Kombat when we were doing the Mortal Kombat cover story and just seeing just a glimpse of, oh my God, this is what Ed Boon has to put up with every day in his Twitter account. It's a miracle developers are on Twitter at all. And then on the other side, when he mentions that, you know, even respected figures in the industry being jerks to each other, that's also the mind-boggling part is when you see big names just getting into stupid, blown-out arguments about semantics and wordings and just like this tiny bit of drama but just these giant figures in the industry can't help themselves and jump on that and it's just so depressing to see somebody who should be so respected just getting into the muck and arguing on twitter so just leave it alone just yeah let it go everybody yeah which i I think is also the byproduct of spending too much time on twitter yes you can I, I have noticed that many times, too, with not just people in the video game industry, but sometimes celebrities that I follow, where you can tell they just spend too much time looking at this, and eventually it wears you down, and they just become absorbed in it, and they get just as vitriolic as everyone else is. Yeah. yeah. And that sucks. Just The answer is, yeah, spend less time on social media, because that's... it. I, it's Whether it's whether they've done it deliberately or not, it's engineered to create those kind of interactions. It's engineered to trigger outrage in your soul. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so don't do it. And, you know, I ain't no saint, but the other day I saw, uh, they'll remain nameless, but the significant other of a friend of mine posts on Facebook just like this diatribe about how wearing a mask is wrong and it's going to kill you. 
and like just just a bunch of BS pseudoscience. And I was like typing out a response just to be like, what are you, what are you doing here? Don't do this. <laughs> and then just realized, yeah, here's a better move. I'm just going to delete this and I'm going to just unfollow that person on Facebook. No drama cause. I'm not going to get into some stupid argument with anybody online about anything. It's just not worth it. It's just so easy just to let it sit. You don't have to engage yourself into every bit of outrage available to you on the internet. Anyways, but the the answer to the question of oh, how yeah. do you have good conversations is things like the deepest dive, where you get a consolidated group of people yeah. that you ha- have already vetted and that you know are rational people, and you just have a real in person conversation with them, like right. human beings used to do, and with the community as they submit comments on Patreon because. And I'm not trying to plug the Patreon here, but it is true that even just like that $2 barrier cuts out a lot of yes. S-heads. <laughs> and then it just is like people who actually want to talk about the game. It, not everybody's over the moon about it and people are welcome to write in about it, but it just it's amazing just putting that small little road bump will knock out a lot of the most uh, absurd, loud, uh, I'd argue insane voices. <laughs> Positive <laughs> and negative. Um, okay, uh, Claudie says, Hey everyone, I was just wondering if you have any opinion on the unrelease of Crucible, the game released by Amazon about a month ago. Um, I know we're not all huge uh, Crucible fans in general, but this is one of those stories that I think is just fascinating, where Amazon Games finally released a new game called Crucible. Uh, went out into the world, I played a little bit of it. It seemed fine. Uh, kind of MOBA-inspired third-person action game. Uh, and then this week they announced that, and we're taking that public game and putting it into private beta. Like, Wait, what? You can do that? So they've effectively <laughs> unreleased their game and they're going to continue updating it. And if you owned it, you can still keep playing it. And they want you to keep playing it to give them feedback. But they were just getting annihilated uh, by the Steam numbers. They were so completely low. And for, for a company like Amazon to fail in that big of a way is... Uh, absurd uh and so they're just taking it back into the oven to cook it for a little bit longer which i don't know if it's ever happened in the game industry there's stuff like Final Fantasy 14 but that's different that's like keeping that game rolling while you're planning this huge relaunch but to release something and then to say yeah not so much never mind it's not released yet it's so insane you know i think you're shooting yourself in the foot unless the game was functionally actually broken you know, unplayable in some ways, because when you re-release it, people are already not geared, set up to just give it to you again. Like, mm. regardless if it comes back and it's great, people are just going to be like, oh, you have the, you, you unreleased it to release this? Oh, like, I, I feel like you're doing more harm than good. Well, well like, people yeah. are open to A Realm Reborn, though. You know, they, they gave that a fair shake, I think. And maybe, I'm trying to remember, maybe the launch is a little bit less warm, but now Final Fantasy XIV is seen as just, oh, it's a good game. You know, after all that tribulation. Yeah, I mean, it can go either way, man. Because, like, you're, you're right, Odell. Like, it has that stamp on it now, forever and always. That's, like, that's the game that it had to unrelease. But, like, it's so unique. Like, I don't think I've ever seen that before. Like, mm-hmm. it's like they... And then now it's kind of like, you know, there's that, that bouncer at the door now of, like, nah, sorry, you had your chance to play Crucible and you missed it. But uh, we got some people back here checking it out. Uh-huh. The people that really love it stuck around. I... I don't, yeah, I, it is so strange and I, I don't, I, my, my initial reaction is like, I don't think it's a flat out bad idea. Honestly, Mm. I think it might 
help. Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Give it some time. Yeah. Uh, but still Ooh. curious about that. What new world? Is that that other Amazon game that also yeah. kind of got rebooted along the way? Um, so it's still a fascinating saga. Um, Holden hints wrote in he called in for the episode of minfax our patreon exclusive podcast that we had on uh, monday which was dan reichert and i answering a ton of questions from the community it was a fun call-in show um and he had a game of video game before and after like the wheel of fortune game where you combine two different words basically Mm. you know we've played something like this before where you know you read a description then oh the answer is brutal legend of zelda that type of thing um And so we didn't get to all of them. And so he submitted the ones that we didn't get to here. So if y'all are ready to play a little video game before and after. So Odell, do you get it? You combine two different video game names here? Yeah. Okay. So here's the description of the game. Strum to all of your favorite rock tracks and match the notes to get star power, which allows you to mount up and quickly run down your specific lane in Blizzard's rendition of the MOBA genre. Rock Guitar Band Heroes Nota? of the Storm. Guitar Watch? Guitar Watch? I'm sorry, it is Guitar <laughs> Watch. <laughs> no, Kyle, yes, Kyle nailed it with Guitar hey. Heroes of the Storm. Way to go. Yeah, you Killing have the, the two full titles, right? Is the, yes, yes. Okay. Uh, while on a canoe, Kratos and Atreus find themselves in Azeroth collecting gold, lumber, and food, battling the undead Scourge and the Night Elves. Come on, dorks. Yeah. World um, of God of Warcraft. <laughs> that's good. That was a good one. God of Warcraft. Collecting gold, lumber, and food. I mean, is that it's God of Warcraft? Is it's that it's God of Warcraft, but it's the one where you fight the undead and the night elves. God of Warcraft 2. Three. Three. Come on. Yes, but it's a tricky one. Uh, Nailed it. Okay. Goal. Battle with up to seven other players in this version of soccer with cars in the world of Runeterra with only Rocket one... Rocket League of Legends? Rocket League of Legends is correct, Kyle. Way hey. to go. After oh, man, le- you're killing it. After <laughs> leaving Pallet Town, our protagonist explores the Kanto region where he and his four friends are confronted by Neen, the evil ruler of the Grand Kingdom in this Xbox 360 classic. Pokemon Odyssey of the Wits. <laughs> no. <laughs> color. You gotta lean on that color, I think. Uh-huh. Right. Yep. What's a 360 exclusive game that starts with a color? Right, 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 right. Revolve a grand Pokemon King. Blue. Uh, Pokemon Red Dead Redemption. No, that's not Pokemon it. Red Dead Redemption. Pokemon Red Asura's Wrath. It's Pokemon <laughs> Blue something. What, what was the name of that blue? Oh, Pokemon Blue Odyssey. No, you're thinking of Blue Last Dragon. Odyssey. Pokemon Blue Dragon. <laughs> Pokemon Blue Dragon. Thank you, Kyle Willard. <laughs> Woo, doggy. Uh, thank oh, you, boy. Holden Hints, for su- for submitting uh, the sloppy seconds for everybody here to take care of. If you want to hear the rest of that, you can check out the MinFax episode in the Patreon podcast feed. All right, uh, question of the week. What do y'all like? Uh, I liked sound effects. Really? That was kind of interesting. I like what decision, what's the best decision you ever made? Yeah, that one's good. Internships yeah. and mirroring your wife is, it turns out, what it is. <laughs> Those are the best, two best things you can do on this planet. Yeah. <laughs> Odell, do you have a favorite? Um, I like, I like the, the classic level question. 
Oh, that, that's fucking horror me for some reason. Huh. Jeff, interesting. I, I like the best decision one. I think everyone had a had a good answer for that. Okay, Odell, are you okay with the best decision one? Yeah, no, most definitely. Okay, great. Congratulations, James Smith, uh, Smithy. Uh, I'm April. We'll ship you out. Not this one that I've already opened, but a new version of the Res Infinite soundtrack. It's amazing. Look at this amazing vinyl soundtrack. But then look at this. It's also just like a fantastical art book in the middle of it. Super cool stuff. So thanks again to I8Bit for shipping that stuff out. All right. Now it's time for something we call Get a Load of This. Jeff. Mark Giafava. Yeah. Hey, uh, get a load of this. Um, apparently, I missed a special episode of Minfax. Yeah? The one with Dan Rakers? No, the one that was put together by Michael Moran. Oh. Uh, who posted online, which we'll, we'll just have to... I'm not going to play it, but we'll have to add a link to it. Um, yeah. He, he spliced together a... It, like a, a very short episode of Minfax with Hanson saying absurd things in in kind of like that sneakers-esque, you know, my voice is my password kind of. So he cut together, yeah, dozens of episodes of Minfax to make me say absurd things. But even as a video editor, I cannot wrap my mind around how he did this and how he pieced together all of these words from so many different episodes. But it is... An insane thing and a very sweet, sweet thing overall. So thank you to uh, Nail in the Discord for doing that for some ungodly reason. It's yeah, an insane uh, project. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting that special edition plate of Kyle. <laughs> if they can get the shape right. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Uh, Kyle, did you get one? Uh, yeah. Hey, get a load of this. It's funny that we were talking about VR and Seinfeld earlier. There was this story uh, from a while ago on NintendoLife.com uh, from uh, writer Darren Calvert. It's really straightforward. Uh, it's just basically he was watching Seinfeld and noticed that George Costanza has a virtual boy in his apartment. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, season eight, episode one, The Foundation. Uh, which, uh, interestingly, aired in September 1996, and the Virtual Boy was discontinued in March 1996. <laughs> <laughs> so George Costanza just has a Virtual Boy on his desk in the background. I love that. That's why he's so stressed out all the time. His eyes yeah. are just being burned out of their skull. Uh, I also just like uh, the way uh, Darren wrote the story. He's just like, poor George, George just always makes terrible choices. <laughs> it's like, yeah, of course George would buy a virtual Yeah, but boy. if he did the opposite of what George would do, he would have just bought a, a Game Boy Advance in a little bit. Exactly. exactly. Uh, but that just made me laugh. I thought that was really funny. That's very good. Odell, did you have a get a load of this? Yeah, get a load of this. Woo! Oh, man. So, America was banned from traveling to Europe today, officially of the coronavirus outbreak so i will not be going on my trip to greece that that i, I mean that's not video game related but i was notified of that today so. wait did you have a trip <laughs> planned yeah no yeah i had a trip planned to greece like i mean it wasn't it wasn't like planned yesterday or nothing but right it, it was planned like december oh. and, it, and, it, and it was in this weird hokey twilight zone of you might be able to go and like, cause the EU opened up, but they were like, sorry, America. Like if you're from China, you can go, but if you're from America, you can't. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you tell man. them that you had, 
COVID that you're you're good with it? Like you took care of that already? You're immune. <laughs> no, uh, well, I mean. I mean, I guess I could try, but it's probably a no go. I'm an American citizen with an American passport, so. <laughs> well, that's I, a bummer, man. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, but just no, play. I, I, I mean, I, I had other ones, but then I realized, you know, I'd been out of commission for about three weeks, so they were all like, "Oh man, did oh yeah, the whole world's known about that." <laughs> <laughs> you this could game, not- The Last of Us Part Two came out. Did you know they made a sequel to that game? It's crazy. <laughs> If you want to experience Greece, we recommend the Discovery Tour mode in Assassin's Creed Odyssey. It'll basically be like you're there. Yeah, that's right. They, yeah, they that's did release that. Yeah, yeah, it works. Uh, hey, get a load of this. Um, Andy McNamara, former editor-in-chief of Game Informer, um, he tweeted out something that he found in his office, maybe in his home or something, but it is an old like press packet from when he saw the 64 for the first time and seeing Super Mario 64. But it's amazing because they have old screenshots in there where they have, was it Tall Tall Mountain, I believe, is the 64 level, except in this early version, it's called Rocky Mountain, and the mountain has, like, eyeballs on it as well. Uh, And then the craziest thing that I didn't know is that it also said that Super Mario 64 was a tentative title. Like, I never oh. knew that that was a working <laughs> title, but apparently, according to this early press packet, that was not the official name, 100% locked in. And then in a very Nintendo way, there's an effort, let's just call it Super Mario 64. Um, also, it had uh, screenshots for Buggy Boogie, which was the racing game that Angel was developing, the studio that went on to become the developer of Red Dead. Uh, so it's a fun piece of video game history there on Andy's uh, Twitter account you can check out. Wow. Uh, Jeff, did you pull one from the community Discord? I did get a load of this. Uh, this one comes from Grizzled Gaming, uh, and it was an ESPN tweet that had an interesting story behind it. So today's July 1st, as at least we're recording it on uh-huh. July 4th, 1st, which is unofficially known as Bobby Bonilla Day because that's the day that he gets paid by the New York Mets $1.19 million dollars every year until the year 2035. Why? So from, from, from 2011 until 2035, even though he stopped playing in 2001. Why? So he'll get paid until he's 72 years old. Uh, and the reason for it was they, he, he basically had a terrible year playing in like the 2000 year. Um, and so the, and he was, he was having problems with, with the coaching staff and everything with the management and everything. And so they, they kind of already wanted to get rid of him, uh, but they still had two years left on his contract and they, they owed him around like $6 million, but they wanted to use that money to buy a different age, you know, a different player. Yeah. Uh, And so his agent set up this deferred deal where they would wait 10 years before they started paying him. And because, because he was giving them such a huge amount of time, like he got a much better deal out of it that like guaranteed oh, 8% growth and everything in it. Uh, and so like the, the total will end up being over $50 million that he gets <laughs> from this delayed deal. And, and it, and so it like perfectly lines up with his retirement because a lot of, a lot of athletes like end up going bankrupt eventually. Yeah. Uh, but he, he will be set for a long time. And the, the other infra- interesting thing about it is that the manager at the time was confident in giving him such 
a good deal because he was heavily invested in Bernie Madoff. Duh! Oh no! And, and so, so he was getting like a guarantee, you know, quote unquote, guaranteed returns of like ten to fifteen percent on all of his money, and he ended up losing like. Four hundred million dollars, or something. Oh my god! But at, but at the time, he thought like, "Oh, you know, I'm golden. You know, I have a decade before we start having to pay Bobby Bonilla for this Classic Costanza move. Yep. Yeah. And so every July first is his own little private holiday where he makes another million dollars. That's amazing. Until he's seventy-two. Wow. Well, we hope he checks out uh, MinMax on Patreon. That'd be really great. That's uh, right. <laughs> Odell, anything? I know you've been plugging the whole time. Anything you'd like to plug here at the end of the show? Uh, no, just just myself. Feel free to follow me on Twitter and your favorite social media at Odo Harmon Jr. And I mean that's about it. And then I post my work there. So yeah, yeah, great. Well, hey, thanks for joining us, sir. We appreciate it. No, thank you for having me. Yeah, and glad to hear you're feeling better. Uh, continue to get rest and drink a lot of liquids and all that good stuff. Will do. Okay, great. Uh, and thank you to everybody that supports us at the $50 tier on Patreon. Um, it is the first, the day that we're recording this, so the numbers are still processing. But as of now, the numbers that have come through, uh, we can thank I Am 8-Bit, The Bam Box, Beaten Down Brian, Zachary Pliggy, Rebecca Lang, Time Bomb Tom, Josh Elliott, Yarrow, Tyler Carver, Captain Stubbs 1, Michael Jakes, and Midnight Satire. Thanks so much, everybody. Be good, have fun, let's go! Let's go!